Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Braden Harrington here with Davey Portman, and this is a special show. Yes, we are celebrating one year since the launch of our Patreon, and we thought we'd gift you by giving you, for free, a show we're very proud of. Yeah, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash upnext. We have so many shows. We watch old NXT, we do best match ever, we review movies, we have up yours. So many shows, including something we decided over this past year. We picked one show for a year. We're celebrating. We're giving you guys a free show, and we picked one with Post Wrestling Zone. John Pollock. So the following episode of Up Next was recorded on May 22nd, 2020, and we are joined with John Pollock to talk about Stan Hansen in Best Match Ever. Hello, hello, hello. Brayden Harrington here with Davey Portman for Up Next, the Patreon, and this is the greatest wrestling match ever. Whoa, 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 no, that's trademarked, Brayden. Oh. That's trademarked. Sorry. Yeah. Right. This, in actual fact, is best, best match ever. And it's a special one. You see, we're stuck in quarantine, which means wherever you are, wherever you may be, you might not be able to like interact with people you kind of used to be. So everything's over Zoom or Skype or you're listening to people in a podcast talk about wrestling. Well, that's what kind of brings us all together is wrestling. And in this quarantine time, me and, and Davey have been just watching some old wrestling and stuff that we maybe don't know too much about. So we're trying to soak in stuff and watch and learn and all sorts of stuff. And for the first time ever on this show, we're being joined by someone who can teach us all the things about wrestling and that is our friend and mr one half of pro post wrestling mr john pollock is here to join us hello guys thank you for the invite it is glad uh i'm glad to be here with both of you tonight john You're very welcome we've missed you john we do we miss you that's what i'm trying to say is like we we we're stuck inside we don't get to hang out we don't get to co- you know once in a while we come over to the post office we haven't even been able to do that but how is the post office over there uh, it's surviving. It's uh, it. Uh, we we still have uh, a functioning post office as as much as we can during this pandemic. So things things are well. I miss you guys as well. We haven't seen each other in probably two months at this point. Wow. Yeah. It's it must be that now. Yeah. Oh, it's sad. It's really sad. I know you uh you you've been podcasting with way like so much stuff. We we try to follow in your footsteps, and we've just been like that's what's been crushing our like our boredom is just. Watch stuff, review stuff, do podcasts, and it's it's so much fun. But we're not on the level. You guys watch uh, so much stuff, and you keep up with. You're so busy with like everything you've been doing, and I, I can see like even though I, you're like stuck at home, you've been crushing it. You have like your whole post wrestling team. You got WH Park. You got Andrew Thompson. You got Up Next Boys hang, hanging around. Like it's a whole unit. Uh, well, it's it's definitely more than uh, two people. So it's yeah, it's a, it's a whole team effort uh, that we have here at Post Wrestling. I can't say I'm going through any any boredom right now. It's been uh, definitely a shift to be doing all of this stuff from home and yeah. and being home so much. I mean, like I'm sure you guys have, uh, you go stir crazy inside for a period of time, and it's 
not like wrestling or MMA has slowed down during this period. I mean, UFC to a degree, but they're pretty much up and running. And WWE and AEW have not stopped at all. There's been no shortage of like major news. So I can't say like this period has been one that it's um, trying to fill time. It seems like it's just as busy as ever throughout these two months and probably many months to come that we're going to be in sort of this uh, COVID-19 period. I agree. I'm, I'm personally actually dreading getting the call saying, hey, work is opening up again because... Oh. Personally, I don't I don't know how I manage to work kind of five shifts a week at the bar and do these podcasts Podcasting. because I, I feel now I've got such a routine going with uh, what we're going to watch, especially a show like today where you're watching a bunch of matches. Um, yeah, I, like I don't know how I'm going to go back to normal life because it, it hasn't slowed down at all in the wrestling world. It's crazy. You, you just got to tell the bar I'm retiring. I, I th- like I'm I'm thinking it. I'm thinking it. <laughs> We're going to be famous NXT podcasters yeah. soon and you won't have to go back to the bar. But we've been like we our, our Wednesday night pattern is we watch NXT, then we watch we do our podcast on it and then we watch AW and then Thursday we do that. But usually we like to like decompress and we like have a few drinks and, and like watch old school wrestling or, you know, so, sometimes other party favors for Braden. <laughs> just 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 the legal stuff, John. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and and we usually just kind of get lost in like old school like wrestling and, and all sorts of like random stuff as, you know, roommates do who are obsessed with wrestling. But um We've we've talked about this this show best match ever that we've kind of created for this podcast and it is interesting how the WWE is doing the the greatest match ever. It's They're just listening. they are they must be right. It's just it's facts. But uh, you had like you you kind of praised us um, on like some of the shows we've joined like your cafes like oh it's such a cool show and you even said like hey. I wouldn't mind jumping in on one of these things, which I don't ever recall you, sir, ever kind of going back and watching stuff. I feel like you and Wei rarely go back and watch old stuff you've already seen. Is that is that correct? Uh, well, other than our Rewind Away show, where well, we no, but like every other week, no, but like but, uh, thanks for being no, no, no. I don't oh. mean it like that. I don't <laughs> mean it like that. But like just just like something where you don't have your notepad out. Maybe, you know? Oh, like just to leisurely go back like, and watch stuff. No, yeah. not really. I mean, it's like uh, much like you guys, like there, there's so much current stuff to watch that when I have free time going back and watching like other wrestling stuff, it's it's not really something that I'm, yeah. I'm sitting down to like that. I'm going to unwind by just watching older wrestling uh, unless there's because there's just there's so much to watch just for a for weekly uh, amount that we're, we're talking about. So um I will say like the, the odd time, like I'll, I'll, I'll put on stuff. I'll, I'll look at different stuff, but usually there needs to be a purpose for it at this point. I know that sounds kind of uh, pretentious, but I, yeah, it's, it's often, I kind of need a reason to sit down and watch, you know, X amount of archive stuff. Cause it's just, there, there isn't a whole lot of free time in my, in my wheelhouse, like between all the work stuff and having a child it's, yeah. uh, and the amount of nights that we're recording, like it's, uh, I, I'm at a point now where it's it's pretty much if I can get three nights a week that I, I can have like 8 p.m. onward to just have to myself like that's that's a pretty rare occurrence at this point. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it sounds tough. <laughs> you sound like you're working hard and well, we know you are. We Yeah, we wanted to treat you with this show anyway because <laughs> well, we're going to make you watch wrestling. I, I, we are making you watch wrestling, but I recently listened to your review of Nitro from 2000 and I think you and Wei sounded even more defeated on that one than you did with your Heroes of Wrestling review. And I know you have to sit through 
Raw and SmackDown every week as well. So we wanted to give you some, some good wrestling, some good wrestling, and maybe some wrestling you haven't watched for a long time, if if ever. And we chose the Lariat, Stan Hansen. Yeah. Um, were you were you happy with this this pick for you? Uh, we did put it out to you whether you wanted to pick something yourself, and you said nope. The ball's in your court, guys. He was, he was interested in the show. John was interested in the show, and then we said that we had one planned in the next month, but we could switch it around. But the one we had planned was to do one where we watch Stan. Hanson and John, you were like, yeah, I'm in. So uh, you're cool with Stan Hanson then? I was fine with whatever you guys wanted to choose. I didn't know what direction you would uh, want want to go. Um, I was trying to think like thematically of what this time of the year would be. And to be honest, when uh, we agreed to do the show and I was thinking like, what what do I think of with May? And I was thinking like, is there enough that we could talk about like in your house matches? And then I just kind of discarded that. And that would have been very uh, yeah, true. because this was before NXT made the announcement of their takeover theme. But I was much happier to uh, go back and talk about Stan Hansen instead. So, so you made a, which one of you made this choice? Was it both of you? It was, it a it was kind of effort? joint. So we, we look on a cage match at the top rated matches. And I think both of us have large gaps in our wrestling knowledge. And mm. Stan Hansen's definitely someone I've heard kind of. Like I know Bradshaw would always be compared to Stan Hansen with his Lariat. And it's it's kind of the name that would be kicking about. And I don't think I'd ever seen a Stan Hansen match. So we were going on a bit of a Kabashi kick a few weeks ago. Months ago now. Yeah, and watched Stan Hansen Kabashi. And then we thought, oh, we need to look at more of this guy. And kind of clicked on his profile and saw yeah. some really high rated matches for him. So I, we, I... we went for this guy. I had the WWE before it was a network, the channel, like classics channel for a little while, and they would air some really older wrestling, like some weird kind of niche stuff, including a match we probably will talk about including with Andre and Stan Hansen. And then I've also seen some of his tag team matches where I always thought he was more so of a tag team wrestler, which we will review some tag team matches, but clearly he was like a solo star as well. But I always, when I think of this guy is the dude with the cowboy hat with the bull rope waiting for his entrance to come and he's swinging it, just looking mean as hell. And then when we watched some of his stuff, we were like, Whoa, this guy is pretty, pretty great. Pretty incredible. Um, and, you know, we we talk about how New Japan and we miss New Japan, but this guy was like a gaijin, but it was so so popular, which is just crazy. Especially if it was like some of these matches are really old, like from the eighties and, and early nineties. So it's incredible that some of this stuff still holds up today. I find watching these matches. I, I say if you're listening to this, maybe go find some of the matches that we're talking about because they're kind of all over the internet for free. But this was a cool little like wormhole to go down into with this with this cowboy here. Well, yeah, and I think that that's the, like the lion's share of his career. It's it's written in Japan more so than in the U.S. Where I mean, he he had like a, a fairly significant career here in the U.S., but it was it was his years in Japan throughout the '80s and '90s that this was the you know for longevity's sake. You can certainly look. I, I would say him and and the Destroyer, Dick Byer, would be your your go tos of Americans that made their living in Japan and had the biggest impact as foreigners uh, for that period of time. And with all Japan, you know, he was able to cross over from that enormous era of the 80s when you had all Japan on network television, and then into the 90s where that was the 
you know, from a in-ring perspective, like the top company in the world where he's crossing over from two generations of Japanese talent and linked right next to the rise of, you know, Kabashi, Masawa, uh, Kawada that we'll talk about. And, you know, the 80s and 90s, like he was the constant in, uh, you know, we'll talk about New Japan, but pr- primarily All Japan. Yeah, no, I I agree. Like, I don't know too much about this guy prior. I knew he's he's been put in the WWE Hall of Fame. I've seen his face all over the place. Prior to this, I've kind of watched some interviews to learn a little bit of different about him, including this one video on YouTube where it's just like five, six minutes straight of all his lariats. Like, oh, just damn. all of them. <laughs> and at first I was like, oh, this is weird. I don't want to watch this. And then I realized I was like four minutes into it. And I was like, this is, I got to stop. But he does a lot of those things. He's like the master of this move. And I know people love Okada. The Rainmaker is such a great finishing wrestling move. And so it's it's a lariat. It's essentially a lariat. And it's such a basic move. But man, it's so good. So Stan Hansen is known for like his very heavy hitting stiff style. And, and I read that apparently his, he says that he's got very bad eyesight. And that's the yes. reason why he often yeah. just clubbers people really hard in when the face it, when it comes to the lariat don't bother ducking because he can't see <laughs> he doesn't know yeah. where he's swinging it i mean that was always like the joke like he was nearsighted and it would be like always um uh, a night where it wasn't a night off when you were in with stan hansen because it was going to be extremely hard hitting and he was a guy that would have been an, an, a tremendous candidate for lasik back in the <laughs> mid 80s <laughs> And I'm sure that the locker room would have pitched in for that operation. <laughs> they had to fight this guy who can't see when he's swinging. And didn't he actually, he he broke uh, Bruno Sammartino's back, did he not? Well, His neck. His, his neck. neck. So that was one of his most famous programs. And this was in, in 1976. And what was happening was, you know, he had Bruno up and then kind of brought him down and dropped him on his neck. Uh, Bruno finishes the match and takes the lariat. And it's the lariat that they really put the... The, the emphasis on for breaking Bruno's neck. Wow. And this, this is April of 76. And by June, that was when the, um, they were doing the, uh, the Anoki Muhammad Ali fight that was going to be broadcast on closed circuit in all these different territories, including uh, the WWWF that was going to be running a show at Shea stadium with that fight on closed circuit. And they had to pretty much beg and plead for Bruno to get out of the hospital to come back early oh. and do the match with Stan Hansen. And it, like, saves the show. They draw, like, 32,000 people for this match. Jeez. And, I mean, the Anoki ali thing, like, on closed circuit, like, it pretty much – it did pretty poorly uh, in most territories. But New York was not one of them because they had this this Bruno-Stan Hansen match to go back to. And it was insane that Bruno did this match. That's but it crazy. Was, it was Vince Sr. pretty much saying, like, we need you for this. Like, this, we can't bomb on this show. Sounds familiar. That was, <laughs> that was one of his biggest pro- – it was – in terms of the U.S., that would have been his biggest program and kind of predated uh, – because it was Vince Sr. that is the, the link between Stan Hansen getting to New Japan for his first tour. And it's – I mean, all the matches we're going to talk about tonight take place in – in Japan, wow. um, mainly all Japan, but we but, I don't believe we've got any U.S. Bra- matches here. Brain's we're going to go about. watch some, some Stan Bruno Sammartino right after. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. No, I believe before before the matches we go into, he also had a, a big feud with Bob Backlund that uh, went to a, a steel cage match, which is 
pretty famous as well. But um, what a great angle, though, realistically for seventy-seven. You said like to have a 76. Gimm- like seventy-six to to fake out like well, not fake because you actually the guy is hurt, but to go oh so his move like it's like the crippler, right? It's like oh you use this move, it got over. Well now because in some of these things they're they're saying like the the killer lariat. This yes. lariat, this injuring lariat that they talk about and I've read about. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy for 76 that an angle like that. You took something that was, you know, an accident, an injury, and then you turned it into something that was pretty positive for a character. Because there is something about this dude. When he walks down to the ring, all these matches, he is scary. Like, even now, he looks like an old, gentle cowboy man who's, like, talking so prim and proper. But, like, in these matches, he's coming out pretty nasty looking. I think he's a fantastic heel. I mean, the first match we're going to talk about here is Stan Hansen versus Andre the Giant. Now, obviously, there's quite a big size difference here because Andre the Giant's a it's giant. It's Andre the Giant. It's Andre the Giant. But Stan Hansen definitely, you feel he can take him because, as you said, he's just so... Take him? This is crazy because this <laughs> is 1981. I, I don't know too much about you know wrestling history, but I was always told that Big John Studd was the, the one to, to, what, slam Andre? Well, uh, this is 1981. There's someone there else are some slamming slams in here. Yeah. Andre. So we're talking about 23rd of September, 1981, New Japan Bloody Fight Series, <laughs> Denon Coliseum, Tokyo, Japan. We've got 13,500 in attendance, and Andre the Giant, or as my notes has corrected, Andrew the Giant. Andrew the Giant, uh, accompanied to the ring with. Arnold Scarland. Um, John, can, can you tell me a bit about um, Andre's manager here? Because I'm not too familiar with this guy. Uh, I mean, Arnold Scarland was a guy that was, you know, one of, you know, Vince Sr.'s like right hand men that was just always part uh, of that territory, very much a, a northeastern guy in, in the U.S. with the WWWF. And they would they would send him over for these these tours uh, with Andre. But he was someone that I mean, when when Vince Jr. bought the company from his father in 82, I mean, it was kind of with the understanding of certain guys that would be taken care of. And and Arnold Scotland was one of them. I mean, he would be um, always, always um, there, like working in the back, handling various roles. And if. You remember for a number of years at the Hall of Fame, you would always see uh, John Cena next to uh, like this older woman that that was Arnold Scullin's widow after he passed away. And she would always come and and Cena would sit with her every year at the Hall of Fame. And I don't know the last time she was there, but it was several years that that was the woman who was always seated with Cena. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. Wow. That that John guy is a, a nice dude, right? Yeah. So the match starts with Andre going right after Hansen with some big headbutts. Uh, Hansen's trying to rock Andre by delivering some stiff elbows and sends him to the corner. Uh, there's Andre locking in the big bear hug. Uh, Hansen is just is just trying to fight, just clubbering at Andre with everything he's got. Um, he headbutts and elbows himself free. And Andre just stands on Hansen's arm. Obviously, Hansen's weapon there being that right arm, being the lariat. Um, Hansen comes with a chop across the throat. Looks incredibly painful. Andre whips Hansen into the corner and runs shoulder first. And it's, I know, John, you love this spot. We see it on Raw every single week. Andre runs shoulder first into the ring post. (laughs) Oh, a staple. 
allows Hansen to get the advantage. Uh, we get a hammerlock from Andre, which which looks really painful considering his size. A big vertical suplex from Andre, and it's all Andre at this point until Hansen comes uh. back with a scoop slam. What? But Andre rolls away from the follow-up uh. elbow. We get a camel clutch from Hansen. Uh, Andre powering out, but Hansen just drills him in the back of the head with elbows and knees. Both fall to the outside and start brawling away. Uh, the referee starts lecturing Hansen. Um, and I believe this is where the uh, it's the double count out. It's, like it's thrown out. It's thrown out. And I was very confused at this point because this is uh, Japanese commentary. <laughs> so I'm I'm going, wait, what, what's going on? What's going on? Um Andre gets back in the ring. Uh, you've got Arnold Scarland talking to the referee, and Hansen wants to fight. He he thinks he's he's got Andre here. He rocked him a bit. Uh, Andre looks pissed off because the match is restarted. Uh, Hansen hits Andre low and follows up with an arm drag to the giant. Uh, Andre at this point gets caught up in the ropes, and the crowd here are just going wild, insane. Yeah, they really so are loud here. Uh, then Hansen actually gets stuck in the ropes and Andre just slaps him with his big paw across the chest. There's a headbutt. Hansen slams Andre's head on the top turnbuckle. Uh, Andre's working away at the back of Hansen and hits a big slam himself. He goes for a big splash, but Hansen rolls out of the way. Uh, Hansen follows up with the elbow drop, but Andre moves again. Both start running the rope and Hansen hits a huge lariat which sends Andre to the outside. Uh, on the outside, Andre puts on an elbow pad and shoves the ref out of the way as he is trying, uh, as, sorry, Hansen's trying to get, no, the ref is trying to get this like elbow pad. Yeah, what's the deal with this him. elbow is pad? Is this come, some kind of gimmicked yeah, pad he Yeah, it must wears? be. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I guess it is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, th- this was, you know, that was always like the the signal for like the lariat where he would, you know, be be sizing him up for no, for the but, lariat. For, but no, for Andre here, yeah, Andre Andre puts on this like blue one on his elbow, that almost the like the ref is, is like, no, you can't, you can't use it. It must be like he- weighted or something. I, I guess. don't know. It, it, it did. I couldn't under- obviously uh, the commentary, but it it's it's then thrown out again. Yeah, Andre lariats <laughs> the ref. Um, the match gets thrown out again. It's a DQ in four minutes, 22 seconds. Anybody want a peanut? Um, the young lions all come out to check on this ref who's just been killed by the giant. Um, Andre starts beating down on Hanson after the bell and both continue this brawl after the, the match is thrown out. So something I learned from Stan Hansen instantly is he doesn't he doesn't like to finish matches properly. <laughs> yeah, th- this is a theme in a lot of these high-rated matches that there's kind of... DQs or countouts or just outright thrown out. Um, I I thought it was really impressive how much Hansen actually held his own against Andre. And as you said, I when I think of Andre, I think of that WrestleMania three slam from Hulk Hogan. Now, and- like, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure many people have slammed him before that actual slam, but it was quite shocking to me here. This is 1981. That's a few years also before. Also, kind of looked effortless. Yeah, I mean, it's Andre doing the work here, but to see the body slam in Japan in 1981 in a match here is pretty interesting. Does that mean he wins a bunch of money? Wasn't that the... Oh, is that a thing? (laughs) (laughs) But Um, (laughs) I I really enjoyed this match, despite the finish. Like, I kind of wanted to see these guys keep going and get a a proper finish, but it's got to be said just how into this the crowd were. John, what do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, this is largely regarded as one of Andre's best singles matches. It was, you know, at a time when, like, Andre was still very mobile and was, you know, if your only reference point is kind of WWF Andre, this was when, you know, throughout the, the 70s and 80s, I mean, he was never a guy that was going to be having, you know, the 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 style of matches that you would maybe be accustomed to at, like, the upper echelon. But this was, you know, top tier of Andre the Giant matches where, you know, you can see how he can get around and work to a style that very much suited him with Stan Hansen, that the audience saw these two as huge deals. And, you know, Andre was ultra protected at the time that just the body slam alone was significant. And that was something that Andre would would let certain guys do. Like it happened with, with Harley, with uh, Kinect down in Mexico. I mean, there were guys that did get to body slam him. And this like that was the real high point of this match. But it's like a total physical contest and it's just seeing Andre, you know, in, you know, a, a style that it was, it's a fight. Uh, He's fighting here. I'm not, I wasn't used so. to it. Like, yeah. They're they able to convey that. Like it's not the, the Andre prototypical match at the time where you base it around several big spots. Like this was much more of a fight, like you mentioned. And I'm definitely someone who's only really familiar with Andre yeah. from his WWF stuff. So I'm used to seeing this kind of big, slow, lumbering guy Not do much really and yeah i i was really surprised and impressed with how how much was actually in this match and it's crazy that this was 1981 like realistically it it doesn't feel like it's that that far gone um but it it, it was very impressive i know this is a stan hansen one but it was more like the, the andre here was was really really impressive now um i know that on this show we like to to review and and rate things but john uh, only really it seems you only really rate things when it's like G1 season. So I'm not really sure how this is going to work out for uh, for this show. What's the, the protocol here, David? Um, well, uh, we normally go to what Cage Match says and what Meltzer says. Yeah. Um, and we, we all have our different kind of ratings. John, right. I know during the G1, you have your coffee scale. What's uh, the coffee scale, John? Will you be introducing your coffee st- scale today to Best Match <laughs> the people ever? people want to know. <laughs> Why not? I will I will bring it out for, for one night only here oh, in, uh, in the middle of May. So for those, I will go... What's, uh, how does it work here? Is it out of five? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it simple and not get into our minutiae of like milk and sugar because those are kind of add-ons to the particular size levels. So I'm going to strictly uh, label this one a large. I'm not going to go XL, even though yeah. the size of both men might require it. But I will go. I will go like large near the brim of this one. I thought this was one of the, uh, given uh, like your grading this on the curve of an Andre the Giant match. Like I, I would challenge you to find a better Andre the Giant yeah. match than this because at worst. This is in a very small conversation of best matches of Andre's career. I think if this was best Andre match ever, I think our show would be ending at this. <laughs> wow. Big statement on on that. So if John has the, the, the coffee scale, we always do the five stars like Uncle Dave Meltzer. But realistically, I should be doing uh, the five fire emojis because it's lit. Okay. So I'm going to have to give mine and say it's four. As well, like it's kind of similar to what John has just said. This is pretty impressive. This, I most of these matches I kept watching, and then something would happen, and I'd look back because we're watching these on YouTube and stuff, and the titles would have the date. And it was this one and a few others where I'm like, this is 1981? That's crazy. But like, I like you, David, Andre to me is a guy who never goes on his back except like once or twice. So here to see him actually like getting clubbed and stuff was pretty interesting. So five, four out of five. Uh, 
I went for a four as well. I think we're all on the same page here. Cage matches are 8.08, which is pretty much a, a four star as well. Um, but Brayden, yeah, I'm like you. I I think when I was younger and we'd have like WWE classics come on. And to me, they'd always just be these boring matches with maybe one spot or yeah. something. And I kind of lumped all wrestling from that era in the same bracket. Mm-hmm. And then you see some of these matches and especially... Like, I mean, that's just that's just the start, that Andre right. match, where we're going to go yeah. further and crazier this, as this we was, go along. This was Stan Hansen in, in 1981, so this he, he fights for a long time, wrestles for a long time more. He does. But this is, like, right near the end of his New Japan run, because he would do, you know, this famous, ju- like, jump over to All Japan. Okay. Uh, at the end of the at the end of this year in eighty one, uh, so uh, I know over there it, it was it's usually pretty kind of uh, controversial and sometimes disrespectful to move from uh, like one promotion to another. Um, so you say he jumped at the end of this year. Was did that cause some bad feeling? What what was the the issue there? So at at this point, yeah, it was very much like you would be loyal to the company you were with. And in 81, like around this time period, this is when New Japan brings in Abdullah the Butcher. And it's kind of looked upon at that point like the, um, you know, the borders are open right now, essentially. And all Japan was looking to counter. And they had met with Stan Hansen months before. And it was a very small circle. Like obviously Giant Baba was involved, but so were the Funk Brothers because they were the, the foreign talent bookers at the time. And they were the ones that had brought stan in when he had started in texas he trained under uh dory senior and the funk brothers getting involved in 73 so he had that relationship already with the funks and they ended up having like this very um secretive meeting and they made the agreement hansen was able to get all of you know his requirements and he was willing to jump at that point and new japan knew his deal was coming due and they were pressing him and pressing him and he was putting it off and then he finishes uh that year's tag tournament and two days later he shows up uh he finishes the new japan tour and then he shows up at the finals of the of the real world tag league, which is all Japan's big year end tag oh. league show. And he walks out um, for the finals. And it was this huge moment because this is not announced ahead of time. Nobody knows he's coming. And this is one of the most famous wrestlers at the time that's coming over. And there he walks out in December of 81. The place goes absolutely insane. And it leads to uh, a huge spot in the match where it's, it's it's Brody and Snuka taking on the Funks, and out comes uh, Hanson, and he ends up laying out Terry Funk with the Lariat, Ooh. and they're like off to the races. But he got a huge deal to jump over here, and you know, contrary to what you would think, like him and Anoki didn't at least. Um, you know, according to Hanson, like they didn't have this giant falling out or anything over it. They were always respectful and it was always interpreted by Hanson that Anoki knew it was business. Like they pulled one over on Baba by bringing Abdullah and they responded by getting Hanson. But uh, Hanson, Hanson would stay with All Japan his whole career after this. Even when there's the Noah split, he stayed loyal to wow. uh, Matoko Baba, who was, you know, giant Baba's widow. Well, you say that you mentioned the Terry Funk thing because I know, like, didn't they grow up together, Stan Hansen and Terry Funk? I'm pretty sure they were like, and they they well, they, they went, they were they went, they were part of the same football program, right. at, at West oh, wow. Texas State. That's so crazy. They, they had a long, long history, and then it was the Funks that helped break Hansen because Hansen was like 
a really good linebacker to the point that he got drafted by more Colts. And it was just, uh, I think it was like knee injury that ultimately took him out of football. And that's when he found wrestling. But that connection from football to wrestling, that was the funks. The funks. Well, John, you, you set us up perfectly for our yes. next match, which is that's in fact... That's what I'm here for, guys. Just to <laughs> set you guys up for the play. Oh, thank you. Who needs Wikipedia um, <laughs> when you've got guy. a John Pollock? Thank you. Uh, we are going to talk about Terry Funk versus Stan Hansen from All Japan Grand Champion Carnival 14th of April, 1983. Okay. At the Osaka Prefectural Gymnasium, Japan. How old are you, Braden? Uh, I was negative 12. <laughs> uh, in, I didn't... in fairness, I was negative one at this point. Oh, wow. I mean, we're, we're there all, we go. We have, this is one of our rare in common where I was not born during this time period. This is a match I didn't know like existed, that it didn't have in my life until yesterday. And it wouldn't have been... It was. It's this show that I got to watch this. This one is something that I didn't... I, I said the last match, that 1981 and that Andre Stan Hansen didn't feel like it. Out of all the matches we watched today that we're talking about, this one takes place in 1983. And it makes me feel like I still haven't seen things that we're about to talk about in wrestling that I've seen in this match. Like up Did to you watch two- all of these today? No, I watched some of them yesterday and some of them okay. today. Yeah, yeah, I did. A, I did a little split breakup here. There's too much to to watch here. What, what I've loved um, is, uh, unfortunately, the walls at the BDE are very thin, <laughs> and I I watched all these matches a, a few days ago before Braden, and every now and then I just hear a oh, oh. And, I, and I'm thinking. And, and John, you're aware of it. It's the "Don't wake up, Max!" scream. Um, <laughs> I'm <yeah>. sorry, <laughs> and yeah. and I'm always going oh. Which which crazy spot which is this? Which lariat has got Braden here? I get excited when I watch wrestling. If a big spot happens, I I like I like that in my wrestling. That's like why I watch wrestling. If I don't watch a match and I don't get that out of it, it probably wasn't a good match. It's same with scary movies. If you watch a scary movie and you don't get that scare, then I want my money back. It hasn't worked. Yeah. Uh, now this match, I I haven't no I don't know too much of the background going into a lot of these matches. I could tell these guys hated each other. Wow. Uh, right from the entrances, I thought both had two really great entrances, great music. The crowd are fired up. Both of them seem really fired up for this fight they're about to have. Um, Hansen just starts stalking Funk into the corner and just slaps him in the face a couple of times. Uh, Funk comes back with some... Uh, forearms and slaps him back in the face himself uh, both Grapple and Hanson powers Funk into the ropes uh, Funk is is trying to kind of just stick and move like get in the odd shot and use his speed because he's he's slighter than Hanson here Was Terry Funk just always old? Uh, yes <laughs> Okay, got you, alright <laughs> uh, Funk goes for a scoop slam but can't quite lift him up and then Hanson hits his scoop slam, followed by the elbow drop. We get these dirty chops to Funk's chest, right hands to the face, both brawl to the outside, and Funk knocks down Hanson finally with a drop kick. Yeah, this drop kick on the outside, and like there's streamers everywhere. Because even in 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 1983, there were streamers in Japan here, and they're like powering there through are them. So like, many they of them keep on going throughout the match, it's and they're crazy. just tearing them away. And it's kind of really colorful yeah. when they're fighting with all these colors in the background. Um, it's really cool. I I don't know the story too much as well as, as well, but like. Yeah, these two are doing such a good job of telling me you could just show this to anyone and be like, look, these guys hate each other and they're they're killing each other here. And John, you said um, Hansen's kind of debut for All Japan. He took out Terry Funk and that was the end of 81. So this is 83. Um, 
just over a year later, is is this their first meeting? Do you recall? Is has it been building for that whole year for this? I match? mean, they, they, they had they, they had matches like in '82, but I mean, these were you know your two big kind of foreign rivals that you had from the get go. That was kind of you know placing these two on opposite ends, and you've got you know Terry and Dory Funk are a unit at this point, and this is also when you've got the the miracle power combination with Hanson and Brody. So this is kind of like two pieces of like your big, big um, tag rivals as well at, at the time. But this was, you know, a pretty consistent feud during this era with the Funks against Hanson and Brody. But uh, I, I really thought like Funk and the selling throughout this was just top level. I thought that he was just fantastic doing like the wobbly selling when he was stunned by the kicks. And then as we get into the post-match with like all the stuff involving like the choking with, with the rope. I mean, I just thought Terry Funk was the star of this match. He yeah. is selling near death from this choking. His eyes are rolling back and uh, Terry is just getting mobbed as he's trying to get to the back. Like everyone is like kind of sympathetic towards this guy who is like they're they're watching Hanson just murder this man absolutely I I just kept writing here that Hanson is just bullying him even after like the post-match beatdown he's just he's just chopping away elbows knees and just funk you, you had it right his selling just he looks like he's dying throughout he's like this the, match. not giving up like he's like the cartoon character like put him up here Notre Dame <laughs> kind of like come on here I can still fight you but then he he gets like busted open and like he's just leaking his Crimson Mask of Texas is just everywhere here in this match. It's that's what I mean. This 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 bleeding, this this like mauling of a human being in a wrestling match is something that's obviously repeated throughout history of wrestling. But the fact that he when he has him in the ropes and he his body is like limp, like it looks like a dead body. The the part that got me that I, I think I did shout at my TV is the first few rows. Whenever you watch old Japanese wrestling, the crowd is so interesting. There's in, they're in like suits and they're like you know so quiet and professional and reserved. But when this spot was happening, you see Terry Funk's like lifeless body being hung essentially, his eyes rolling back, blood everywhere. This crowd is looking at him like he is a, just was murdered. Well, they're like, oh shit, did we just see some this go too far? Was that supposed to happen? And then like you see him alive, and they're like, oh thank God. So Hanson essentially gets a dog collar. Puts Funk in this collar. Like the bull rope, essentially, and is, right? Yeah, and he's mm-hmm. just dragging him around the ring. He's hanging him up in the ropes, um, like stringing him up. He's choking him out. Um, he mounts him and just raining down with punches to the head. He's, he's gone blind. Knee he's across the throat. Uh, he continues the beat down as Dory Funk runs out and takes out Hanson. What I don't get, they ring the bell when Dory Funk comes out. <laughs> <laughs> they should have stopped that ref, too far. The ref was fine with the hanging, the hanging in the middle of the and ring. Knee drops, um, fighting. This this is such a violent match. Um, it's Funk is the star of this one. He I, just I really, is like, okay, definitely, just kill me, just kill me in front of this crowd. Um, I I wanted to see more as well. I wanted um, th- this is these guys' highest rated match on. On cage match, and oh. I I want to be able to see more of these two I'll go be, at it. I, I said right off the top that I like I didn't know this kind of existed. This wasn't in my. No- I know who both of these guys are. I didn't know this like little history here, especially John just kind of filling us in. But I'll say right off the bat, from front to start, he- from front to end here, this whole match felt like it was like a cinematic thing where this guy was like killing this guy. So because of that, I wrote I would give this like five stars. I I, I really enjoyed this. I I had so much fun watching this because. It made me believe that this 
guy, like he kept fighting and he kept getting up. And, and, and you mentioned the selling of it was so like incredible that I was so sh- I haven't seen a body been dragged like that in wrestling. Like mm. I've seen a guy been thrown through barbed wire and explosive and stuff, but to see his body, like the way it went like limp, like you bought that. It's it was scary. There. It was scary. That's what I'm saying. It made me feel uncomfortable. And because of that, I, I really enjoyed this match. This is a hidden gem for me, in my opinion. Go watch this match. This was crazy. So for some reason, Stan Hansen wins via DQ. What? In 12 minutes, 34 seconds. <laughs> That's the outcome. Listen, listen, strang- strangulation is maybe a step too far, but to get a foreign run-in where the spinning toehold is executed, right? <laughs> you, you draw the line somewhere. Okay. Oh. It's, yeah, that... I don't get that. Um, you go five stars with this. I'm Brady? telling you, this isn't usually my type of thing. Like, I don't like that kind of stuff. But the the way this Stan Hansen is a monster, and and I fell in love with this guy's wrestling style. He comes to the ring. He looks like he's going to kill someone, and here he did it. Like realistically, this was a this was not really a wrestling match, but it was a fight, and I loved it. I I never like it for the sake of doing, doing it. it. So when I see matches where two guys who are known as kind of hardcore guys go at it and just do crazy spots yeah it doesn't mean anything it's just oh why are you doing that whereas as i said right from the entrances these guys were fired up and you knew they hated each the other the crowd had me so in it too the story it, it served the story completely um cage match gave an 8.40 as i said i was left wanting more, more. and i found the, the finish a bit Dumb. This, there's no um, finishes in Stan Hansen so matches. I, I went 4.25 with this one, but I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. Uh, John. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm still gonna go XL on this one. I thought that this was Ooh, you know, the Terry Funk show. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna throw in. Usually, you could throw in like a milk or sugar if you want to go. Uh, maybe, maybe your you no know, your decimal points on top of a star. But uh, I'll go XL on this one. I thought this was uh, an outstanding match to watch uh, between these two. In particular, if you want to see Terry Funk, I think at his finest, this would be uh, a great example of it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match from the lariat ducks to the spinning toeholds. It was just so much fun. And like I, I'll reiterate, like there's so many spots in wrestling where they try to make you believe that they've actually killed someone. This was one of the times we're watching. I'm oh, like, yeah. hey, I know the guy didn't die because he goes to wrestle t- fucking to this day. But like I bit for a second. I'm like, is he OK? Is he OK? Great stuff. So next we're, we're going to stick with Terry Funk uh, and go to 8th of December 1984, All Japan Real World Tag League uh, in Nagoya, Japan, 9,000 in attendance. We have Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen versus the Funks, Terry and Dory Funk Jr. Wow. 1990? 1984. Wow. 1984? I'm alive now. You're, wow. you're alive. So you remember this one clearly, am I right? <laughs> clearly. At, uh, at nine months, I was, uh, I was going on to uh, AJ, AJPW.TV. Yes. Right. <laughs> streaming this uh, tag league. AJPW World. <laughs> so Dorian Hansen star, and right at the top, Terry is just itching to get involved. He's on the apron and is pissing off Hansen. So Hansen goes after him. Uh, Dory is trying to jump from behind uh, and Dory clocks Hansen in the side of the head with an elbow. Um, we get Brody involved in the match. Big boots to Dory followed by scoop slams. Uh, Hansen is tagged in and for a big guy, this Hansen's not afraid of hitting a drop kick here and there. So he's hitting drop kicks, scoop slams, running elbows. Something I noticed with Stan Hansen, which especially bigger guys 
you don't get too much. There's no wasted motion. He's always following one move up with with something else, whether it be the scoop slam right into the elbow. Like he's very um yeah, he's very good with his transitions, I found. He's he's pretty smooth to watch despite how like ugly like a lot well, of his beating downs can are. Can we talk about his look in general? Like the dude is just someone's uncle or dad, essentially. Like he's just a, a hoss, like a Texan like yeah. badass guy that would get in a bar fight, but he's fighting in a wrestling ring. And especially if he's a he's a gaijin in Japan, like he's he's a foreigner there. That's kind of how they see him. Like, ooh, a Texas dude, fighter guy. I would guy. say I know um like JBL models himself on Stan yeah. Hansen, but the person I see the most like him is Volta. Oh yeah, that's a like good... I feel they're similar size. They Close they lines. aren't afraid to like come off their feet every now and then. Sure, um, but I I think they're just a bit smarter in their wrestling than just I hit people really hard. Yeah, that's maybe a... that's what uh, Walter needs to be doing is coming out through the crowd and like throwing a bull rope and attacking fans on the way to the the arena. Absolutely, <gasps> I, I'd love to see Walter in a hat as well. Oh, yeah. now you want hats? <laughs> I thought you hate hats on wrestlers. <laughs> So, Cowboy Walter. Cowboy Walter, love it. That's how he's going to get over yeah, in exactly. WWE. Yeah. He ain't losing that Survivor Series if he's wearing a cowboy hat. Or just hit more lariats. Yeah. Uh, Hanson and Brody are just absolutely dominating the Funks early on. They're really not letting them tag each, o- um, each other in, but they're doing quick tags back and forth. They're slapping them up. Um, Brody at one point goes for a leapfrog, which is pretty cool because he's another big guy. But Dory scouts it and manages to finally make the tag to Terry Funk, who's firing up with elbows and kicks. Uh, Hanson illegally gets involved and attacks Terry in the ropes. Um, there's just kicks to the ribs, these huge chops, elbows just to the head. Funk, again, is just staggering around here. His selling, uh, I couldn't compliment more as he's eating these big punches. Now Brody hits an impressive drop kick. Oh, it was like AJ Styles. It It was was, like, yeah. Yeah, it was really hot. No, it was high. Phenomenal bruiser Brody. (laughs) No, like, like real shit. I I looked at that and was like, wait, what? (laughs) What? What? How did he do that? Terry fights back and makes the tag to Dory. Uh, Dory gets Hanson up for a scoop slam and an elbow drop for a two. Then Hanson and Brody just start dominating the Funks again with lots of quick tags, double teams. At one point, Brody attempts a pile driver and I I haven't really seen this counter before. Terry is like smashing his legs against the head to to not make Brody drop him. How has no one done that recently? But Brody drops him anyway. Yeah, Uh, Looked dirty. Uh, Dory rocks Hansen with some big forearms and manages to get the big man up for a vertical suplex. He's a uh, tough son of a bitch. The the size difference here, pretty impressive. This was for a two count. Uh, Brody hits a power slam for a two. Uh, Just Hansen and Brody again, just uh, isolating the funks. There's almost a a jackhammer type suplex almost. He falls into it. Yeah, yeah. It looks really good. Brody, I think. Uh, it, It then, of course. Like we said, as all Stan Hansen matches, uh, just gets chaotic. Where all four guys are fighting, and there's a ref bump again. There's a ref bump. There's points where I think uh, Dory gets tagged in, but the ref doesn't see the yeah. tag. Whereas uh, Brody and Hansen are just tagging in and out. Uh, he takes out the head, uh, the ref, not just with any move, but headbutts him. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, poor guy. Well, the, the spot in a bit here with this outside the ring here is more poor guy. And then, uh, yeah. So the Funk start choking Hanson and Brody with the strap. And Terry 
Funk starts taking out any official that is in his way. <laughs> He's the not bell gonna... rings. There's a part where they take a table or a desk and they smash the back of Dory. And this is when I knew this match was not continuing. <laughs> when I saw that. In fairness, it wasn't the drop toe hold. So, I mean, they, they didn't go to that way. <laughs> and this isn't a gimmicked chair. This is more like a bench that like the the crowd will be sitting on like, this is hard wood this is not the yeah spine. no gimmicks here in 84 is it yeah this is this looked like it hurt and I, I know dory's doing his selling here but wow i felt for him here and this is when terry loses it because he saw this and he starts beating up everyone he's got the rope everyone's just fucking losing their minds and the match is kind of thrown out again but okay. the match was a lot of fun and crazy. The the match was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, you've got Hanson and Brody, the the two bigger men, just running for their lives through the crowd after this. Yes. But again, they pick up the win via oh, DQ in 18 minutes, 42 seconds. I thought this was just uh, such a fun brawl between these four. And still, you, you just see the pure hatred between Terry Funk and Stan Hansen. It's very entertaining. Um, yeah. Cage Match gave this a 7.47. Uh, Meltzer rated this one and went the full five. Wow. Um, wow. I I didn't go quite as high with this one. I went 3.75. Maybe it's because I've seen like th- like three matches thrown out before. Sure. And leading up to this, I was yeah. starting to get a bit frustrated. Uh, but still a really fun match to watch. I, I would I would agree with you and, and say that. like I, I, I would say this is like a four or so. Because I, I did feel like it got through, called out. But the guy was hit with this desk thing. They weren't wrestling after that. But I kind of wanted more of a, a finish here. But I quite liked seeing some of this stuff in this match, including uh, Bruiser Brody doing that AJ Styles dropkick. <laughs> um, but but Hanson and the uh, and the the Funks like Hanson and and Brody are these just have this heel persona here that the crowd look like they're genuinely scared of Stan Hansen at most parts of his career in Japan here, and that's something that is. Pretty great. You're pretty good at your job if that's what you can do. Uh, this was so much fun. But yeah, I wouldn't know if I would quite call it one of the best matches ever. Uh, yeah, I only go large on this one. I thought that it was – this is kind of like the swan song for these two teams that have been feuding for the last three years because this is a few months before Brody would jump over to New Japan, which would not turn out to be a great choice on his behalf. Mm. But that would break up Hanson and Brody for the first time uh, here in All Japan and – and Hanson then starting to team with uh, Ted DiBiase. But this was kind of their last tag league together. And Hanson and Brody are the uh, are the tag champions at this point in this tournament, which they do not win, but uh, would be eventually just uh, have to vacate the titles because or Bro- Brody would replace him with uh, DiBiase as uh, as their teammate. Wow. So, um, that's what's going on at this point between them. But this is, yeah, kind of like your last big swan song between these four individuals because Brody would be leaving shortly thereafter. So Stan Hansen uh, changed tag partners, partners quite a bit then because the next match we're going to is 1988 where he's not with uh, Brody, Brody or um, Ted DiBiase but is actually with Terry Gordy. Uh, John, can you tell us about how this team kind of came about? I mean, Gordy at this point, like he he was only 27 at this point. Whoa! Whoa. Like like this guy was like a prodigy in in every sense. Where he came up and of course you know was uh, wrestled in Georgia in in uh, Louisiana and you know for all intents and purposes he was going to be the top foreigner. Like he was being groomed even by this point to be Hanson's successor as the top foreigner, and that Damn. would you know kind of. Uh, if you go like there's there's plenty of matches between the two and 
you know, unfortunately for Gordy, like he just had a lot of, of problems and he, you know, he wins the triple crown. This is in 1990 and they pretty much 10 days later, um, the title's held up because he has this incident at a bar where his heart stops and oh. they, you know, so already you have like the, the signals of like potential issues. And, you know, this is a guy who, who would overdose at a point later in the 90s. And then you see like this, this incredibly gifted performer start to lose that that talent because of, of drugs and abuse on his body and just kind of. You know, by the by the time you're looking at him, you know, getting into the WWF as that executioner gimmick, it's just the guy's a shell of himself by that mm. point and an ECW and sadly died in 2001. So, you know, there was a time, though, and you can see like in this match what they saw in him, like he was the, the prototype of what they were looking for, like the hard hitting American that they they saw because Hanson at this point he's he's already 39 by the time it's that this match is taking place at the end of 88 so they're looking at who is going to be Hanson's successor and that's kind of the the thinking here you, you could actually absolutely see that because I thought similar. these two complemented each other really well and and you could see Gordy tremendous tremendous chemistry I thought absolutely I, I preferred these two together than uh, Hanson and Brody personally I, I did too I actually really I, I mentioned the, the the shots they love to do in, in Japanese wrestling I, I found in, in this this era is the shots of the the fighters or the teams kind of before they walk out like they're they're in their jackets yeah, already no. they're like doing their like things and there's one specific here where it shows uh ten ten root Tenryu and Kawada and they're like they're in their jackets they're they're like all right here we go and then it cuts to these foreigners and they got their hats on their bull rope (laughs) and I just I just watched this and I was like oh this is wrestling I am so ready for this match and I don't think I was I really this is crazy 1988 so yeah Jenichiru uh excuse me for pronunciation Tenryu uh, and Toshiaki Kawada, a very young K- Kawada here. Wow, very uh, young. Versus Stan Hansen and Terry Gordy. All Japan Real World Tag League, 16th of December, 1988. Budokan Hall, Tokyo, Japan. 12,700 in attendance. Uh, Gordy and Kawada start off the ma- match, and this crowd is just so fucking loud for this one. They yeah, seem they really pumped here. Is it, John? What's the deal with Stan Hansen? Because in Japan, because he's supposed to be this this foreign heel, but that pop every match we watched here is crazy. Like they love to hate him. Is that the deal? I mean, it's it's less, especially as like the years would go on, that he became, you know, like the stalwart, like veteran of, yeah. you know, the foreign veteran, but you know, very much became like this beloved figure um, that was like the hard hitting Texan, which was not a difficult uh, prototype to um, th- for the Japanese audience to get behind. Like here's this big brooding American that you know they they really got behind and I mean you also see like during this time period like how that evolves out of Stan Hansen being like this this foreign menace into the guy that was like he was the big Texan that represented uh all Japan at a point and it you, you really see that in um around 1990 when the all Japan ends up working with with the WWF for a joint show and what was going to happen, this is a bit of a detour, but they were planning to do Hulk Hogan and Terry Gordy on that show. And Gordy, so this is 90, and this is when, you know, Gordy is kind of at his apex when it comes to being all Japan's, you know, foreign, you know, future star. To, to be their, their guy. Yeah, this is like early 90, so right before he's going to win the Triple Crown. And he balks at the idea of having to job for Hogan. And 
pretty much just leaves them without a, an opponent for Hogan. And Stan Hansen gets the call and he steps up and does the match, puts over Hogan. And the Japanese audience, like they were pretty sophisticated and understood that this show was saved by Stan Hansen. And there was like this uh, acknowledgement of that. And it became very apparent from, you know, the crowd reception afterwards towards Stan Hansen that this was a guy that was company first. And that was, you know, somewhat of a turning point as well. Oh, that's really no. They, I I find that because the the respecting is crazy. Even googling this this guy, uh, I watched this like clip of a shoot interview in, on YouTube, and like all the comments are like mostly Americans. But then I'm seeing like literally like old Japanese wrestling fans who are like, "Hey, I want this interview transcribed because this is a big deal to me." And so I, you could see the translations and stuff. I'm like, "Whoa!" This the pop here in all these matches. Like he's supposed to be the bad guy, but like. You, I like he, he becomes like the big legend. I mean, yeah. his retirement is, uh, you know, like top tier of, you know, in terms of guys getting like that ceremonial send off and is viewed very much as a gigantic legend um, to that wrestling audience. Because in this match here, December 16th, 1988, it's Tenryu and Kawada and they're the baby faces. Clearly, like the crowd is way on their side. They're still cheering for these bad guys. They, like I said, they're like, ah, we still like you too, I though. Mean, you still see that kind of today, today in yeah. Japan. You'll have like Naito, who's been this big baby face for a while, but if he spits at an opponent, he'll get a, a chorus of booze for a bit. Like, I, there is, a, I, I guess you do get this in the US, but there is a, a big amount of respect for the work over there. Uh, I, I, this match is, this is fantastic. And I'm glad you kind of told us a little bit about Gordy as well, but go into it, please, David. Yeah, so we have uh, Gordy and Kawada start off the match and Gordy just powers Kawada down with this big shoulder block. Hansen gets tagged in and Kawada goes for this really quick spinning heel kick, which Hansen just dodges and would have laid him out if he connected because <laughs> yeah. this was fast. Um, Kawada goes for a sunset flip, but no count. Uh, Gordy throws Kawada into the barricade and this is the start of uh, Kawada just kind of continuously getting murdered throughout this match. Is this where... So Hansen obviously is known for just beating on someone, but he's beating on on Kawada and then Kawada's like, no, I'm not taking it. And then like slaps him essentially and Hansen's like, you done fucked up. (laughs) And then just starts to beat him. Uh, Tenryu gets uh, tagged in the match and... Actually, they, they get a bit of offense on Hansen and Gordy, and Gordy go to the outside, um, and they kind of regroup, and they look a bit shook, like, oh, these these lads are kind of taking it to mm. us a bit. Uh, Tenryu knocks Gordy down with a shoulder block and kicks him in the back of the head. There's a vertical suplex, a drop kick from Gordy for a one, hout, uh, one count. Hansen is tagged in, and both start just slapping and chopping the shit out of each other. The brawl falls to the outside, um, we get Hansen really showing off his speed as well as his size in this match, especially. Um, Gordy and Tenryu are killing each other with more chops, more slaps, and then Kawada comes in, quickens up the pace even more with this crazy crossbody. He drop kicks Hansen to the outside, follows up with a plancher, and then Hansen tries to choke Kawada in the bottom rope, but Tenryu doesn't allow it and just starts kicking Hansen as hard as he can. Kawada comes back with a series of kicks for a one. Uh, Gordy hits this like running Samoan drop, yeah. which looked very cool for a two. Uh, Kawada hits this huge clothesline to Gordy. Um, and then Kawada and Tenryu hit like the total elimination. The, Pretty much. The high low, which yeah. looked fantastic. 
Um, there's like this leg scissor choke to Gordy as he's trying to power out. Um, Hanson runs in, breaks the hold, and just starts slapping at Tenru's chest viciously. Um, Hanson tags in and I believe is just met with this headbutt from Tenru out of nowhere. And now this is where the match is really starting to break down and get more and more violent. And Hanson's just looking pissed because these guys are kind of out striking him. He's, he's, that's what I'm saying. Like his character is, he's just so, he's just a Texas madman. He's always just on a rampage. And especially when he gets beat up, he wants to show you that he ain't going to take your shit and like wants to fight back. But he's so good at that. And every time Kawada's getting beaten down, the the, cra- the crowd are just chanting, Kawada, Kawada, He's louder so... and louder. And then that's when the attack to Kawada's leg starts. And uh, Gordy and Hansen are just targeting uh, uh, Kawada's leg until it's pretty much... He's unable to walk. He's just... His leg is completely destroyed. It becomes this two-on-one against Tenryu. Uh, Hansen tries to get him up for this power bomb, but Tenryu is fighting back, backdropping him. Now Tenryu is busted open. He's bleeding. Uh, Gordy hits a power bomb as Hansen just throws a chair at Kawada on the outside, <laughs> just as Kawada's trying to get, get back into the match. But Kawada manages to break up the pin anyway. Now all four are in the ring, uh, brawling away. Uh, Hansen and Gordy hit this double vertical suplex. Um, Gordy breaks up a pin with just more stiff kicks. And just at this point, Kawada's completely just out of the match. Uh, the crowd are behind Tenryu trying to will him and back into this match. There's a spot right here where it's like he's taken out of the match and it's all like Gordy's just pounding on Tenryu. And then he gets a small package and you think it's just it. You think it's it. And the whole building b- bites on it. And you're like, ah. They keep giving him these great hope spots. Yeah. Like he'll suddenly be hitting these enziguris out of nowhere. And the small package, as you mentioned. But uh, he kicks out of power bombs. He's kicking out of everything and then eventually there's a huge lariat from Hansen putting that final nail in the coffin. One, two, three. Uh, this was fantastic. I, I, this Up to this point, my favorite match uh, of wow. Stan Hansen. I thought this match was great. Yeah, John, what do you think of this tag team match? Yeah, this was, this was a phenomenal match. It was, to me, when you're looking at Terry Gordy of this era, I would say... You know, take your your window of like eighty eight through ninety three. Um, you know, Terry Gordy is for his big matches. Like, just yeah, it, it takes seconds to see what everyone else did. Of like, just what a talent this guy was, and amazing chemistry with Stan Hansen. You had kind of the the story of like Hansen and Tenru as your your big stars at the time. Uh, Tenru, you know, among the top wrestlers in the world at this time, and then like. The ones in waiting and Terry Gordy and Kawada. I mean, Kawada is very young at this point into his career and him and Stan Hansen would have, you know, years, years that they would have this feud that would build up until Kawada could finally beat Stan Hansen. So that, I mean, goes back years and years. And this is kind of our entryway into into that whole program. Um, and you just saw where Kawada was already at this point. Just um, He's like six years into his career at this point. And wow. you see just what an enormous talent he was going to be. Also with the, the foresight of what was to come in the 90s. This wasn't even him hitting his peak yet at, at 25. So 
it, it was it's a fantastic tag match to go back and watch. I'm with you. I go I go XL with uh, some sugar as well. So this was uh, my top choice up until this point as well. Yeah, I, I would say I wasn't expecting this. I saw this on the list and I see uh, I was familiar with Gordy. Is he not part of like the Freebirds in some capacity? Right, like he was involved with a bunch. Like of they tech- they had done like. They they had that alliance when he would be back. At this point, like this is this is eighty eight, so he's largely spending yeah. his time in Japan. But he's already done like the world class uh, years with with, uh, with gotcha. Buddy Roberts and Michael Hayes at this point. But he has you know that that's another territory behind him at this point. This this from like the intro to the finish here was really fun to watch. I I would like this is something I didn't know existed again. Like this was a match that I was like okay cool. David David compiled this whole list for for you and I to watch and. And went through the matches to kind of pick. This is best match ever, and this is a highly like regarded match in the world of wrestling that I didn't know existed. And I sat down and I watched this, and I was like sucked into just like wow, like this is '88. What what was going on in WWF at '88? Not this, because this was like a whole a whole little story in in the whole in the whole match. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that lariat at the end. That was that was a lariat, and it, it built up to it so well. I just love the storytelling because you've got this this young Kawada who is kind of the the energy his team needs. He needs to come in for those hot tags and those his energy. Kawada kicks. And you've got Tenryu who who looks quite a bit older. He's the veteran. And him being out there on his own at the end, uh, like really fighting and having these hope spots, even at one point Kawada manages to, on like a, a completely destroyed leg, still manages to break up a pin. And you save that lariat for the end and there's no kicking out of finishers here you know as soon as that lariat is hit he calls game for over. it too he goes he's like all right and you can see you're ready when like we mentioned that he, he like moves his arm band a little bit like he's getting ready yeah. you you see it coming and it was this one was one of his biggest lariats at oh, the, this huge. end here uh i really love this match i would go a full five fire emojis five stars whatever you want to call it it was just so fun i wasn't expecting that out of this match to be honest uh when i just saw a tag match from 1988 i thought uh how how could that be but wow was i wrong and i'm so happy i was like this is a rewatchable match right here this yeah. is you could put show this to any wrestling fan and i think they'd be suckered in and up it. to this point this is the longest match we've seen on the list this 21 minutes two seconds uh with gordon gordy and hansen winning uh i i like you guys go full five stars with this Meltzer gave it a five cage bat match it's a th- 9.39 so very highly regarded match wow well we all agree that it's a good one that so far could be the best match Not ever. Ever. So far. But there's a match that we were we were instructed to watch by by our guest. Yeah. It was a match that we kind of knew existed, but we, we didn't realize that we probably should have been talking about it. This is why we, we have you on, John. Um, would you like to talk about the match you instructed us to watch? Well, I just – I mean I've watched this match prior. So I, I didn't watch it in advance of the, yes. the show, but I'm familiar very much with, with the match. And this is – this is like a rare show that happens uh, where New Japan and All Japan actually get together. And there were several interpromotional matches. And one of them was Stan Hansen representing All Japan and Vader representing New Japan. So that it's kind of you have to work out the politics and that's what leads to the finish. But what you get is this incredibly memorable and frightening scene where – Vader pretty much loses his eye. His eye comes out of the socket and he has to work the rest of this. And this would be uh, nearsighted Stan Hansen. And this would probably be the, 
uh, exhibit one of that uh, <laughs> that issue that Stan Hansen would have with his eyesight because uh, by the end of this, um, both men had that in common. Um, it's it's the blind leading the blind here. It's Vader time. Wow, this is this is crazy. It's the Tokyo Dome. It is. It's uh, for the IWGP Championship uh, New Japan Super Fight in the Tokyo Dome, 10th of February, 1990. I remember this one clearly. I was five months old. Uh, my dad sat me on his lap and was like, hey, do you want to watch these two big hosses go at it? And I, I cried. I know about fight. Vader because Boy Meets World. Okay. I'm going to be straight honest. He his the gimmick is and that is his son is one of their friends and Vader's the wrestler and there's a whole thing with that. And I always was like, wow, that guy's huge. Like he's crazy. And it's funny no, that nothing nothing backs up the YouTube algorithm than someone's entryway being Topanga Lawrence and it leads you to this match and this visual by the end of it. I actually just found my Topanga shirt yesterday trying to clean out some shirts. So I still have my Boy Meets World merch. But um, I'm, I'm not super familiar with, with, with Vader. Like, I have watched so much of him kind of later on. But to me, as a kid, I always just thought, oh, this is big kind of scary guy that kind of never really got to the level of pop culture as, like, The Undertaker. Because maybe it was just a little bit prior to that, like, era, I'd say, of, like, The Undertaker being, like, pop not non-wrestling fans kind of knowing who he was but i feel like non-wrestling fans know who vader is as well just because he's this bigger dude he's got that like thong on his face um and we'll see he's wearing like a mask and he can move for a big big guy as well he can yeah um this this is a a slug face this is two we're just talking about white guys in japan essentially on this show two gaijins again filling this this tokyo dome and an interesting thing this is in 1990 and i don't have the exact date written right here but the the next day was Mike Tyson versus uh, like some some Douglas, which was a huge Buster Douglas, yeah, which was like a huge thing, and like that that's crazy. Which drew more out of th- those two? I would assume Mike Tyson, but there's rumors that this drew outdrew Mike Tyson. I think who lost that night? There were sixty three thousand nine hundred in attendance for this. Sixty three thousand, yeah. The, the Tokyo Dome attendance is a weird one because it's like you, all of us. Uh, I don't know. Actually, Davey is not. But Braden, like you've been there to the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. And it's like this like this year, um, you know, it was New Japan. They do announce now legit attendance figures. And it's like some of these 60,000 plus, I think, as time has gone on, those look to be somewhat inflated figures. Yeah. It seems that like a full Tokyo Dome, you're looking like in the forty to 45,000 range seems to be the number that you can fit okay. in there with, with all the floors. But nonetheless, like that's always been the um, the story that the, the co-promoted show did outdo Tyson and Douglas, which it's this very historic fight for Mike Tyson because of the outcome. Yeah. But that was treated like a joke here. And it was, yes, Tyson was going over there, but this was not like Buster Douglas. Gotcha. was the enormous underdog that's what it's it's a big story because of what happened it's you know the the equivalent and it's not really even close would be like george st pierre and matt sarah where it was like no one believed buster douglas was going to win this fight so it's not like this was a huge fight uh going into it but certainly for historical purposes it's it's one of the most famous fights of its era yeah definitely didn't uh, i listen to i think it was on one of bruce pritchard's shows recently buster douglas then did something with wwe shortly after because yeah, I, so- I because he beat Tyson, so it was a big deal. Wow. But he still wasn't like a star, so right. they got him pretty cheap, I believe. <laughs> well, what they had was that they were going to do Hogan and Savage on NBC, and Tyson was scheduled to be the the enforcer for the match. Tyson loses this fight, 
and they're able to pull the strings and they're able to get Buster Douglas to come in of as course. the replacement. So Buster Douglas not only beat Mike Tyson, but then he got his WWF booking as well several weeks <laughs> later. Um, and they and they just did the spot where like he lays out Randy Savage at the end, which uh, here we are in May of 2020 and Tyson may be doing the same spot on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so everything comes around. It's just these cr- years later. It's crazy thinking like two nights in a row, the Tokyo Dome having two like combat, you know, one is boxing, one is pro wrestling. But it's crazy that they would fill that many people to go to both ones. So it is funny that that Stan Hansen invader perhaps possibly outsold Mike Tyson in a fight. That's crazy. I mean, what a double header, though. Like, if we were to go over and it's like, hey, do you want to go and see Wrestle Kingdom on Wednesday and then follow up with Floyd Mayweather on Thursday? I know, John, we went to to Vegas a few years and and we had it lined up, which you refused to go to Britney Spears, but mere days later was like a Floyd Mayweather fight and you were like, oh, fuck, like, I kind of wish... And I was like on your side, like, oh, dude... I I went to the weigh-ins. Yeah, you were were hanging out. But we left... I think we left like the day of the fight. I know. Had we, had we gone, had we stayed the Saturday, I would have tried. That ended up being uh, Mayweather's last fight until he came back for the McGregor fight. That oh. was fought uh, Andre Berto. I just remember me and John being like, "Fuck," <laughs> and he's like, "I kind of would have gone to that." And I was like, "Dude, I don't watch boxing, and I would have went to that." Like that's. So wild. I said, "I said, Braden, so instead of going to a boxing <laughs> fight, how would you like to go in the middle of goddamn nowhere, Las Vegas?" <laughs> And get stranded for two hours as we try and go buy bourbon. John said, said, yeah, I'll come. <laughs> John really wanted this J.R. Ewing bourbon. And no one wanted to go with him to, to find this. Because no one on the strip had it. He had to go to like a specialty outside like the strip. Like Old Vegas or something? Yeah. yeah. No, the opposite way. No, right. no like, dude, this was ancient Vegas. <laughs> Old Vegas has nothing on this. This okay? is just the desert. Where we were, yeah, yeah. There, was, there was no Uber that was even going to entertain the idea of coming to pick us up. Like, it was we the were, opposite. This is the dead heat of Vegas in September and we were both very concerned that we are not getting back to this hotel. Uh, we we got the, we got the, the the bourbon and I got like all these other like I got this like Niag- uh, this Las Vegas distilled stuff and all this great stuff. But then our, our cab left and we thought ah oh, we'll just find another one. But it was so hard to get back. We had to like wave one guy down. He was dropping someone off at a car place like nearby. We waited outside a sketchy Seven Eleven for far too long. That was. <laughs> you still have that bourbon though, John. I actually do have a bottle here. That's I have one one last J.R. Ewing bourbon wow. along with the the bourbon that you guys left here. Uh, Whoa, for the best of worst of show. So I still have that here downstairs that you've left it would be fitting to drink is bourbon from texas to, to talk about stan hansen while drinking bourbon i think it would be all right it'd be fitting you better crack it open john <laughs> yeah when when we when we all reunite we, we will all have a, a, a shot of some jr ewing bourbon absolutely <laughs> all the members of the post office community come back together <laughs> sounds uh, good i don't know if do you want to go in depth of this uh, i'm Vader not going to go in depth yeah. with this but i mean i first heard about this on um eggshells the chris charlton's uh look at the tokyo dome Mm -hmm. and that's the first time i heard about this i story and kind of looked into it but i never watched the match (laughs) was that a play on words (laughs) the i story i looked into it oh Oh, um and i I was amazed how early in the match the spot actually happens and (laughs) oh yeah it's right away it's the point where uh, Vader takes his mask off and obviously the crowd don't know what's happened what has happened and oh. taking a mask off is a big deal and this gasp from the crowd is amazing and I'm I'm reading about it and Vader's just squinting he pops his eye back in and then is squinting to keep it in place but he goes on to wrestle for like 11 more minutes and 
I don't know if he's able to communicate what's happened to he can hear it. Hansen. Yeah, yeah. But Hansen doesn't seem to give a fuck because he he's still just like lariating him <laughs> in the face. He says to him, I can't see, I hurt my eye. You can clearly hear him telling Hansen that. Like, yo, I fucking, I'm And he's up. like, okay, I'm going to target yeah, cool. your eye then. <laughs> Uh, it's insane. Like, this is just, it's one of those. I, I'm, I'm sure many people listening to this have seen the match because it's a pretty famous one for the worst reasons, but yeah. it's. It's hideous. Like this is this is in a weird way what kind of gets uh, Vader into WCW because this was you know for the time period this was the tape to get a hold of oh. and Jim Ross and Jim Cornette who are on the booking committee at that time. I mean they are they get this tape and they just can't wait to get this guy in and they actually matched Vader and Hanson together in WCW that never replicated this but this kind of is the the legend of this this eye falling out that is and a the pretty thing standout is- moment. They actually have a really good match after, I think. It's yeah. a great brawl. And I guess yeah, I guess this is, as you said, all Japan versus New Japan. So obviously it ends and, in and a Vader's double a, count out. Be champion at this time too. So it's like you have that added wrinkle into this whole thing too. It's just funny because you see this spot where he, um, he takes the mask off and he's punching Stan. And then there's a clear spot where Stan finally is like just about to hit Vader. But he's, you see Stan finally realize the eye. And he's like, oh, fuck. Oh fuck and then still is like uh well i still have to hit you there so was he, that, we, we just the, he pauses and he's like oh it's dude. like we reviewed the uh the triple threat from wrestlemania with triple h sean and benoit yeah and there's that moment in that where sean's face is just a crimson yeah <laughs> triple, and h, triple h, double h just takes. looks at him and goes sean <laughs> it was that stan is like oh leon you're eye is totally fucked but like we're we gotta continue this and they do and this is this was a fight as well like obviously both guys are kind of bigger side vader obviously being way bigger but this was like just a a shoulder tackles and punches and and vader's hitting lariats and and there's like drop kicks and there's there's no selling they're both hurt it's just all over the place it's a double count out it's yeah I went four with it. I think it's a great fight. And usually when I hear something like, oh, there's this crazy accident and yet they carry on. Yeah. Normally the the match doesn't quite deliver after, but I really think it did. I agree with you on that. Like, yeah, it's not like the best match I've ever seen, but man, this is kind of significant and incredible that they continue to fight. And like in wrestling, you do kind of want to sometimes see this like real element. Obviously we, people lose their minds when there's blood and stuff. So when someone's eye comes out, I'm, I'm scared. I'm like, oh God, you should not be continuing but he does, and I don't know what's. How did he fix this? Did it heal? Like, he just what do you do? It back in. No, but like, what? Like, I imagine he had some sort of surgery. I would have thought. Like, how did you go on to continue seeing from that oh, eye? It's over again. It's um, very yeah. Cage match gave this a seven point five six. John, you you didn't rewatch it for the sake of the show, but you've seen it a bunch of times. What would you give this match? I mean, I, I'm. I'm less like it, it's a spectacle. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's kind of, um, you know, just a match. Uh, I would, I would go maybe, uh, you know, tops out at large would be absolute tops on this one. I would, I would say maybe closer to like a medium. It's not, you know, watching a guy that's like legitimately injured to this degree. It, it's really not my cup of tea, mm-hmm. but it's, it's scary. You know, it's, yeah. it's a spectacle. And this audience, it, I think you can watch this in hindsight, uh, man, everything we go to say somehow relates to this man's vision, but, um, <laughs> I think it, no, watching this at the time, I think I would just be horrified by yeah, this and yeah. hate it. But I think if you're watching it with the um, with the knowledge that I mean, this was not career ending. It did not absolutely um, 
end his career or anything like that. I think you can just watch it for what it is, which is a, a hideous, horrible injury, but one that, I mean, did not stall this guy's career in the long term. Which is crazy. Yeah. Considering you watch this, you, you're, I was scared for him. I, ho- I hope his eye is okay. What well, was okay. Rest in peace, later. <laughs> but yeah, this this was a sight to see. And and as a <laughs> <laughs> we're all doing it, <laughs> Christ, uh, it's it was it was interesting to watch. So like I say, like if you if you are like listening to this show and you kind of watch the matches we talk about or you watch them beforehand, this is kind of one. If you haven't seen as a wrestling fan, you probably should put it on and you'll be like, wow, uh, or I should say, pop it on. Oh boy! I popped out of it. So we're going to skip ahead a few years to 28th of February 1993. All Japan Excite Series Budokan Hall, Tokyo, Japan. Now we've done a. Let's all let's all welcome Braden Harrington into this world. I've been. I was two. You're two. Wow. Uh, I'm. I'm, You were 91. No, I was one then. Yeah, I was July 26, 91. Ah, 91. Um. Now this, we've done uh, two best match ever shows where we looked at Masawa versus Kawada and Masawa versus Kabashi. Now the next few matches are kind of happening in that timeline. The The Triple Crown Championship is kind of flipping between uh, the, the four of these guys. And we're going back to Kawada, who is now kind of the Kawada we've grown to know With the and love. Um, kicking it like Kawada. Kicking it like Kawada. John, do you ever kick it like Kawada? I don't know what that means, but if it is... <laughs> just say yes and, and move on. <laughs> just means like you're kicking it, you know? You're kicking it like Kawada. You're just chilling. Sure. Yeah. So Hansen jumps the bell to attack Kawada. Uh, they brawl to the outside, and this was as the streamers are still going in. Yeah. So they're just absolutely covered with streamers here. Does Stan Hansen just hate everyone? Yes. <laughs> he just wants to kill you before when the bell rings. It's insane. Uh, there's these elbow drops and elbow strikes. Kawada comes back with a scoop slam and some kicks. Um, Hansen, he does this thing that even when he's kind of been knocked down and he's on his back, he still starts kicking away whilst on his back and hits Kawada low and Kawada just crumbles. Um, and then Hansen again is just bullying Kawada here. He goes for a back suplex um, to Kawada onto the barricade, but he gets pushed into the ring post. Uh, Kawada flies off the top with a a knee strike, which allows him to get the advantage for a bit. There's uh, an elbow drop across the chest from the second rope from Kawada. Um, The Kawada kicks in the corner. Uh, He then locks in a half Boston Crab. And it's something I notice in a lot of these kind of uh, 90s uh, All Japan matches is they'll go for submissions, but it's it's not to get the guy to submit, it's to weaken them. So they'll kind of lock in the Boston Crab for a bit and then go for a pin. Um, yeah, true. You don't see that in wrestling. Which I don't now. know if it's that... Has the submission thing kind of become more popular with... Submission. Like since MMA has yeah. been around? Or you use it to make someone tap out. Yeah. Whereas here they're using... And we noticed that with the other best it's match the sl- ever. the like Dragon Sleeper yeah. a lot. He'll do it and then Try put him down him. and go for the pin. Makes sense. Yep. Knock the guy out. Hurts. Um... Hansen hits a huge forearm and then just starts kicking Kawada in the face. And I'm pretty sure Kawada might have lost a tooth here. Oh. Uh, we know he gets a bit uh, gappy as these matches go along. <laughs> he with misses those some teeth front later. teeth. Yeah. Uh, Hansen is going his for... teeth weren't kicking it. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, Hansen's going for his powerbomb, but Kawada's blocking it and hits a DDT for a one count. Um, 
Hansen at one point hits a Lope Suicida, yeah, which I was not expecting at all. And I'm pretty sure this was one of your O's <laughs> from the other room. This yeah. looked great. How um, is this guy Excalibur calling this? Probably yes. from the West Coast. It's Absolutely. Yeah, it's like a, a low. It's under the second rope. Under the second rope into like a cross body to the outside. Cross body block, if you will. Yeah, very impressive from Stan Hansen. Hansen pulls the uh, padding away on the floor on the outside, goes for a suplex, but Kawada reverses it into one of his own. As Hansen is trying to get back into the ring, Kawada hits him with a roundhouse kick to the side of the head, followed by a a lariat of his own to the back of the head yeah. for a two count. Northern this lariat. is where Kawada locks in his dragon sleeper and Kawada's just got the advantage here and Hansen looks dazed. He looks out of it. Kawada is slapping him in the face and then Hansen starts to block it and manages to hit just one slap which just knocks Kawada down. Uh, Kawada's trying to come back with chops and headbutts to the side of the head. Chops to the head. Always just look Ouch. deadly. Yeah. Uh, Hansen comes back with a jackknife powerbomb, uh, goes to the second rope and hits a double elbow drop for a two. He starts preparing that arm for the lariat, but Kawada ducks and hits a lariat of his own for a two. The dragon sleeper gets countered. Another lariat from Kawada. A third lariat from Kawada. One, two, kick out. Kawada goes for a kick off of the turnbuckle, but gets shoved to the mat. He comes back with an enziguri from Kawada, but out of nowhere, lariat from Hansen. But as Hansen delivers this lariat, he falls to the outside. Man, this is a huge lariat. Yeah, and the lariat, as we said, always finishes the match, but the momentum threw him out of the ring. He went outside the ring. Like He hits the move, but he falls to the outside of the ring. But it was so believable. Like, so it looked great. Yeah. Uh, Hansen tries to pick up Kawada, but is met by this beautiful spinning heel kick. And then Hansen comes back with a lariat, this time to the back of the head. He's from Texas, but he hits a northern lariat and wins it. One, two, three. Hansen wins in 24 minutes, two seconds. Yeah, this is a, a banger between these two. They're killing each other. Uh, they're kind of like Kawada, from what I've watched, all the matches we've gone through with Kawada, he's the guy who, like I said, he kicks it. He kicks you all the time. He's got so many different kicks. Whereas Stan Hansen, I'm thinking he's the guy who's like hitting with like haymakers and he's slugging you out and just beating you down with elbows and slaps and chops. So it was kind of like two somewhat aggressive style It was very stiff, strike. this match. Yeah, it's very, a lot stuff. striking. And I feel Kawada is... A lot of his style is quite similar. Like the He's hitting lariats of his own. Sure. It's just... Hansen's that got that extra size on him and can do Lopez, which is insane, and jackknife style power bombs in '93, which is just crazy. Here, um, really huge Larry at the end. I really like this match, but I feel like it didn't get quite to the the other ones that I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I got into like the other ones maybe that we've talked about. So I'll give this like a four or like a four and a half even because like I wouldn't necessarily say it's my my favorite match or best match ever, but it, it was pretty good match. Uh, I'm with you. I, I went four and a half. I, I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoyed it. Was kind of just hoping for one extra gear. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, John, what about you? Uh, I, re- I really enjoyed this. It's probably not like their best match they ever had, but this was like a long like several year long quest on kawada's part to finally beat this guy 
And it kind of and it happens like five weeks after this in the carnival tournament where Kawada finally gets that win. And it's a huge deal. And you could argue maybe they had waited too long. Like we're talking our last match where they're in the tag match. That's 88. And now we're at 93 is when Kawada finally gets that win. Um, And it does mean a lot at at the time. But, but you know, Kawada needs six years to beat you to beat someone. You gotta you gotta work up that that insiguri and the uh, the knees the kicks absolutely. Uh, there was some outstanding selling in this, in particular by Hanson, when he's like grabbing the eye. I really love the lariat spot where he tumbles to the floor and it just like the momentum costs him, and it's an actual proper uh, insertion of momentum into a wrestling context yes. instead of just <laughs> climbing a ladder uh, two days before a ladder match and getting the mental climb in front of everybody. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was. Um, Especially down the stretch, I think I thought this hit like near that that kind of high level. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't go XL on this, but like solid large, like really no complaints about this. And you know, this is when all Japan they lose Tenru in 1990, and that's when you know they really get on uh, Kobashi, Masawa, Kawada, like those, mm. and you know, to an extent, Tawe as well. Like that is that is the youth movement, and Hanson's a huge part of being kind of the uh, the crossover guy from one era to the next and working with all of these younger guys that were going to define the 90s for all Japan. And it ended up being something where they lost Tenru, which on its and he took a lot of guys, too. This was when they formed SWS. But, you know, the trade off to that was that this spot has now opened up and it's a chance to kind of hit the reset and introduce all of these, you know, these stars that we have on our undercard and really elevate them and that was kind of what we're in the midst of here is watching the rise of of those three um as you know the 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 main focus of all japan throughout the 90s so you say the youth movement because i've been looking up things because i was trying to figure out what stan hansen yells in his match if you notice he does the bullhorn and he goes and the crowd like she, like it's it's huge. It's like doing the yes thing. Essentially, they were right. like they they were on cue when he does it. When he lifts his hand, they did it. And I was like, You're oh, the it, only person that has compared that to the yes movement. But no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Like the, the the crowd just knew when to do. Like when Daniel Bryan raises his hands in the a- yes thing. Every, when goes he goes to do the bullhorns, yeah. everyone went the you. And I was like, what's he what's he saying? So I typed in Stan Hansen like you and I was like, nothing's coming up. So I said Stan Stan Hansen catchphrase. And people were like, Yeah, what's people were asking the internet, like, what's this guy yelling all the time? What's the one thing he's yelling? And in this like minute interview clip I found, Stan Hansen says, It started off by me saying youth. I was saying youth because it's the youth movement. Oh. So the fact that you said that is like, oh, maybe he is telling the truth. But then it just became, yeah. <laughs> and like, yo, the crowd goes crazy oh, for it, mor- it. It morphs over time. Yeah, it changes to just him going, yeah, I'm from Texas. But youth movement. Cage match gave this match a 8.78. Meltzer went pretty high with it with a 4.75. We now move on to the 21st of May, 1993, which it is actually today. 21st of May. Oh, wow. My granddad's birthday. I watched this. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Mitsuharu Masawa versus Stan Hansen. All Japan Super Power Series. A triple crown championship match. Nakajima Sports Center in Sapporo. Wow. Sapporo. Again, Stan Hansen just jumps the bell, charges at Masawa into the corner with chops. I love him doing this. It's just playing the heel. Yes. Come on. Enough bullshit. Let's get on with this. The fact that you attack a guy while they're still streamers means you're you don't give a fuck. Yeah. 
Uh, Hansen is choking Masawa over the top rope. Uh, he's kicking away at his back. Masawa's coming back with a cross body. He hits like the, he locks in this like double underhook submission. Uh, goes to the camel clutch. Masawa's coming back with an enziguri, which sends Hansen to the outside. And Masawa is now just all on top of Hansen. And Hansen Hansen's selling is great, which you you don't often see in bigger guys, but he can play sort of the dazed, staggering around. And he's doing a lot of this here. Um, Hansen then comes back by just face planting Masawa. Uh, attempts a power bomb, but this gets countered. Um, there's just more brawling on the outside. The crowd are going crazy for Masawa, uh, just shouting Masawa, Masawa. Hansen smashes Masawa's arm over the barricade. Now we know Masawa loves a, a rolling elbow mm. here and there, so he's trying to eliminate that problem by just destroying the arm of Masawa. And that's what Hansen's game plan is. He's just targeting that arm. He's taking him down with arm bars. Uh, he's going for pin attempt after pin attempt and starting to get frustrated that he can't keep him down. Uh, Hansen goes to the floor at one point and starts stretching the arm uh, of Masawa over the apron. Um, and then... This is just all Hansen at this point, and Masawa starts to come back. He's blocking the powerbomb attempt. He's firing up and goes for a lariat of his own, but because his arm's been worked on so much, it hurts him more than it hurts Stan Hansen. Masawa manages to dodge an elbow drop and hits a diving shoulder block, but it doesn't really budge Hansen, and again, is doing more damage to that arm, and he gets hit with a powerbomb. One, two, kick out. Hansen signals for the lariat. Uh, Masawa is on his knees, shaking his head like, nope, you're, you're not getting that on me. He's firing up. He's firing up. Uh, he goes for a spin kick after spin kick and Hansen just throws him to the mat. Masawa is now trying to get in a sleeper. Uh, both are countering each other's lariats. Uh, Masawa climbs to the top and hits this big elbow drop off the top. One, two, kick out. Hansen is now just slapping Masawa, headbutting him, hitting these huge shoulder tackles. Masawa comes back with the sleeper again, but just gets punched in the head. Both men are down. Both start staggering to their feet. Masawa goes to the top, hits a crossbody for a two, and then Masawa catches a kick, hits a rolling elbow. One, two, three. Masawa wins. Oh, Masawa beats Stan Hansen. Yeah. So Stan beats his uh, other rival, Kawada, there. But like you said, this title or whatever, the rivalries were kind of all over the place, flip-flopping around here because each guy could have the other guy's number and not quite vice versa. But Masawa beating Stan Hansen with the, the, the forearm, the elbow, if you call it. Uh, this was a lot of fun as well, but to me, this was very similar to the last match we just talked yes. about. Where, But I thought this one was maybe quite a little bit slower, in a, in a slower pace, whereas Kawada is more the striker, and Masawa's like... Uh, more, Kawada definitely injects that speed yeah. into the matches. I, I I didn't like this one as much as the Kawada one, but it still was really interesting and, and fun to watch, especially some of the... Uh, like he's just beating down on Masawa for a lot of this match, but then like the classic like comebacks and stuff. And and Stan Hansen is a good actor at getting choked out 
and, yeah. and moves and stuff. Like he looks like he's passed out in some of this. So uh, I, I, I enjoyed this as well. I'll go with like a four or four and a half or whatever. Like I, I really enjoyed it. Still. Uh, I'm very similar with you here. I went four and a half. Um, Meltzer gave it a four and a half cage match and 8.05. Uh, where is this on your coffee scale, John? I'd go. I'd go large. You know, just kind of uh, maybe a slight above, but definitely not XL territory. I preferred the Kawada match as well. I thought that in this one, it's you know typically in a lot of these matches, it's kind of building it for that like closing stretch. I actually thought it was like the the first half of this match that I thought was really engaging. And part of that is just Stan Hansen, that it's a consistent in all of these, that the second he is walking out, like he is injecting a certain emotion in that audience that they are ready to see this big fight. And he is conjuring that emotion in all of the people just by charging at them and having that, that big feel at the start of this. And that's really punctuated here with the start. It's like a furious pace and then eats that forearm early on and he sells it like a gunshot and you're seeing Hanson kind of work from underneath and they'll take that template and really build on that for the next match we're going to talk about. Um, but by the end of this, I, I thought like it was a really solid finish with the, with the rolling elbow and it's, it kind of uh, capped off the whole carnival season because during this carnival, Hanson wins that tournament to get this title shot and he beats Masawa twice in that tournament because they, he wins the round Robin match, but then also beats Masawa in the final. So you've got, um, you know, Hanson with those two wins earlier in the year uh, to set up this triple crown match where Masawa defends the title. So it kind of sets up Hanson as a real threat here to take the title back from Masawa. But it's Masawa getting a big victory from the guy that he won this title from. Wow. The the, the, the story, like this title kind of between all these people is quite interesting. Considering I, we've done a lot. Of I love that shows. between them. There's always one that always has their number. Yeah. So the title would often flip from... Like one guy to the other who will then get beaten. But, but guy, when it goes back to the other two, can't it's beat. still the same result yeah. every time. So we kind of all agree on that one. We like it, but it's not quite the best match ever. But uh, I know... It's, not, it's no Randy Orton edge. It's no Randy Orton edge. But uh, I, know, I do believe we have one more. We have one more. And this was the match that sent us down the rabbit hole a few weeks ago. Uh, two guys that are very similar. Two big... Heavy hitters. Haas. 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 29th of July, 1993. All Japan Summer Action Series. Budokan Hall, Tokyo. It's Stan Hansen versus Kenta Kobashi. Oh. Now, we just mentioned that all these matches start with Stan Hansen, like, just trying to get the upper hand, being a dick and just attacking you. It's it's like Kobashi actually watched Stan Hansen's matches because he the, the start here is the same. And Kobashi's like, yo, I ain't taking your shit, man. What Hansen goes for a, a young boy right away. <laughs> he just takes out this this poor there was kid. A casualty. <laughs> yeah, Lance <laughs> Archer has been studying yeah, his, exactly. his Stan Hansen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but you're right. Kobashi jumps him. The match goes to the outside right away. I think no surprise here yeah. that this is going to be a brawl. Um, they start slapping each other. There's a DDT from Kabashi. Hansen gets to his feet and Kabashi follows with this diving shoulder tackle off the apron to the floor. Looked great. Hansen just comes back with not just a slap, but a swinging slap. Like swinging his slaps. whole arm is into this. He's like a bear. It's this is a bear fight. Like absolutely. these are two giant Kodiak. I know people, they, they call it Samojo the Kodiak bear, but like literally these guys are bigger dudes. 
and they're they're swinging and it's like i i thought of two you we're canadian we see all these fights out in calgary or bc of actual people who film actual bears fighting like and that's what i got out of this the first few minutes i have is are these just bears animals I, fighting each other i wrote this line and then i i caught the innuendo and wrote both guys so big and stiff oi oi <laughs> <laughs> these but bears are big and stiff <laughs> they are uh kabashi hits this big clothesline and leg drop for a two um there's a back suplex from Hansen breaking uh, like a side headlock, but Kabashi holds on, which I loved. Just holding on this submission. Uh, Kabashi with a brain buster out of nowhere for a two. They go to the outside again, more brawling. Kabashi's chops just like sound like gunshots. There's a spot off. where Hansen does another, like he's, we mentioned he does like the, the suicide dive type moves where he's doing this like low splash off the apron. Off the apron, yeah. Yep. Which is just crazy. And again, the, the, the streamers are all like kind of left to the side here. And, and then Hansen like picks him up and does this like power bomb on the outside, which is just on like, the floor. Oh, just it's painful. just a smacking noise. But, the crowd here with the streamers all around. It's just a, a cool a cool visual I'm sure again. Ray Phoenix knows what that feels yeah, like right definitely. now. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, Kabashi starts firing back with chops and more slaps the face. He hits a running boot, which knocks down Hansen. One, two, kick out. Kabashi then climbs the top rope and goes for a, a missile drop kick, but Hansen moves and gets a two count off of it. There's a big splash off the second rope for, for a two from Hansen. Uh, and that's something we've got to say about both guys. Although they're big and going for these big strikes, they're not afraid to jump off of shit to yeah. hurt each other It's, it's as pretty well. crazy that both guys are kind of both bigger, but can do things that you maybe wouldn't expect guys this size or stature to do. Kobashi, Kobashi would have no knee problems after that from all of those <laughs> I mean, it's just completely fine. So amazing how the body works. <laughs> he does have a pretty fine moonsault. I will yeah, say. very I nice moonsault. Moonsault is... um, Kobashi starts doing his quick chops oh, where he's just firing oh, oh, oh. off. Uh, fantastic. Now Hansen starts kicking away at the spine and delivers slaps to Kabashi, but Kabashi's too fired up for this. Uh, he gets thrown down, but comes right back up. There's headbutts to Kabashi, but this doesn't stop him. He comes back with this huge clothesline, knocking Hansen down. Follows up with a DDT. One, two, kick out. Hansen signals for the lariat and goes for it, but Kabashi manages to duck it and turns it into a sleeper. Uh, Kabashi then goes for like a... A Stratisfaction. I, 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 yeah, I can't believe I compared Kenna Kabashi to Trish Stratus, but hits a, like a springboard bulldog. Stratisfaction. Well, he, no, he doesn't hit it. He's going he, for he's it. He's going for it. It gets countered into a back suplex for a two. Uh, Was, would you rather call it a Stratisfaction or a Dudley dog? <laughs> the Dudley dog is more when you run up the corner, is it yeah, not? Both are very both similar. Are similar. Yeah, similar moves here. Uh, he he went for the stratisfaction. Absolutely, <laughs> keep it Canadian. Uh, Hansen pulls up the elbow pad, goes to the lariat again, but is dropped with a drop toe hold and w- like three leg drops, one after another, across the back of the head. Goes to the top rope and hits a top rope leg drop for a kick out. Kabashi goes to the top again, and John, as you mentioned earlier, he hits a moon salt. Beautiful looking moon salt from the top. One, two, kick out again. Kabashi follows up with a running neck breaker for a two. Kabashi's just throwing 
everything he has. He's now getting frustrated going for sunset flips, small cradles, whatever he can to put Hansen down. One of the moves you, you said, it's like a running neckbreaker. It's kind of like a sling blade without the sling. Without the sling, yeah. It's just like the run. Matt Hardy used to do it. It's like a clothesline, but you like jump with the guy. But it's it's essentially how you, you do the sling blade, but without the spinning thing. Kind of like the shout out JTG used to do. <laughs> uh, Kabashi hits a lariat of his own for a two. Uh, hits a scoop slam and Kabashi climbs to the top again, but Hansen gets up and chases him, starts clubbing him in the back. Kabashi's coming back trying to drive Hansen's head into the turnbuckle. There's these huge slaps from both of them. Kabashi with elbows and then Hansen comes back with a lariat to the back of the head, knocking Kabashi oh, no. off it's like, the top. It's like he's set up on the turnbuckle and he, he li- just lariats him off it, which just, he just dies. He just dies. Uh, it's such a believable finish oh, here. It, he, nothing else could He doesn't this, move really. him. He doesn't, like, he, he's just knocked out. He rolls him over. It's such a slow pin where you think, okay, he, he, he he's out. Like, he's out. There's no way he's kicking out of this. And we're right. He doesn't. And Stan Hansen beats him. 22 minutes, 35 seconds. Stan Hansen pins Kenta Kabashi. Uh, this was a hell of a match. Wow. John, what do you think of this Stan Hansen-Kenta Kabashi match? This was phenomenal. I thought th- this is the full XL. Uh, this was, you know, the... I-, I loved, like, the layout of this, where it's Hansen pretty much getting destroyed from the early part here. And then, you know, it gets so physical. Like, we see... Like, you can see from the boot spot where Kobashi's cheek is, like, reddened from it. Um, that looked tons of fun. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, when they build up to that moonsault spot, I mean, this audience just loses it at this point. Like, it's a fever pitch for the final few minutes of this. And I love the ending of this, where it was not just, like, your your typical lariat. It was, like, Kobashi was broken at this point, And it's that final lariat to the back of the head. And he just crumbles down. And he's got nothing left. I thought it was just such a different finish. And it, it totally worked. Um I love this. I, I thought that this was the full XL. See, because we both watched this only a few weeks ago and then both watched it in the last couple of days. Yeah. And I kind of forgot about the finish as well. So it, it caught me off guard again, just how deadly this lariat on the top is. I'm the exact opposite. Uh, I put this back on. It was a few months ago when we watched it. And then I put it on to, to get today. And I, instantly, as soon as the, the match started, I was like, oh, I remember. I remember. It's <laughs> the lariat in the corner that just kills him off the top there. And yeah, this is crazy. Um, I had not watched this prior to a few months ago and then rewatching it again now. This is like when I think of old school Japanese wrestling where you do have uh, maybe a, a foreigner coming in there like this Texan dude who we're talking. We were talking about matches from 1981 and this is from 1993. So this is time goes on and this guy's still wrestling. Uh, this is like what I think about when I watch this kind of wrestling. I want to see something that isn't the American wrestling I'm so used to. So this is like... Especially this era, like 90s All Japan. We've done... We've been looking at this era a lot with our our other shows, Misawa, Kawada, Kabashi. And yeah, this is the peak of that. This makes me scream out loud a lot. That's how you know I, I really like a wrestling match. When I do like pop loud and I go whoa what the hell like Kabashi is such a a a legend in the world of pro wrestling wrestling fans all over the world continue to go back and watch his stuff and continue to praise him and this guy Stan Hansen who you know maybe two most wrestling fans aren't super familiar with him but like wow you show any wrestling fan this one they will soon become a, a, a Stan Hansen fan Stan Hansen Stan 
if you will. Uh, I actually, I think this is one of my favorite matches like ever. Like wow. this is a match I can watch back so many times back to back um, because it's just two guys killing each other. The chops, the the DDTs, everything. It's it's just so fantastic. Uh, I give this the, all the all the fire emojis, all the five stars, all the stuff. Five stars. I'm five stars too. Uh, Meltzer's five stars cage match and 9.41 it's it's a hell of a match it is this is a match again if you're the the people who just listened to us talk about this and cherry pick and stuff this is the one you gotta watch this match like this is just a classic to me this is just so crazy that you have this guy with that swinging lariat man he'll hit you anywhere anywhere anytime with that swinging lariat John, do you have uh, any other kind of thoughts on Stan Hansen or, or any other matches when it's two in the morning and Braden and I are looking for something to watch? <laughs> any other Stan Hansen matches that we haven't talked about today? Uh, I mean, you know, Kobashi and Hansen had, had a number of big singles matches. So I think this is a great kind of jumping on match if you want to get into like what was the appeal of that all Japan mid 90s period. I mean, this is a match to start with and you can go like so many of the different comps with uh, Kawada and Masawa. Uh, I, I think a lot of the Gordy stuff that I don't think history looks back on and and fully you know looks into you know his his run in early in the early nineties in all Japan as well. Um, with Hanson, I, I would I would say like you could certainly just uh, spend an evening just going down that rabbit hole of just those opponents and then seeing you know some of the other Brody stuff that he did the two of them uh, teaming together and. Um, you know, the, the various feuds that they had as well. Um, we talked about like the Gordy teaming and, you know, into even like the mid nineties, like Stan Hansen was a guy who had an, a tremendous cardio. Like he was never going to be like a big body guy, but had, you know, a look that they all got into. That was a very credible, believable physical style that he worked, but also had the conditioning that here he is. Uh, past the age of 40 and he's going 20 25 minutes with these guys in their peaks at the time and that's kind of the the conditioning side of Hanson that uh to me was it, it was able to preserve his career uh right up until the end like he we're, we're talking about a match in 93 and he would go another seven years Damn. after this wow that's crazy considering like i said like i was i i really loved this terry funk stan hansen match from 83 because you watch anything from like wwf 85 to like i don't know 90 something the wrestling in it was like oh there wasn't really wrestling and then i'm watching this from 83 and it made me like scratch my head like Whoa, I've grown like sure, WWF had the characters and such memorable things, but like this was going on in yeah. in in other parts of the world. Like it's just it's just crazy that at the same time you know, it just shows you Vince McMahon doesn't doesn't own wrestling. He really doesn't. He just took it and tried to make it his thing. Like that's kind of now I I'm definitely Well, he's always said he wasn't in the wrestling business. He was in the entertainment business. There you and go. this is the wrestling business. I guess so. Here. Yeah, I guess so. Uh cuz I really enjoyed you you kind of pick these matches for us to kind of watch here. And I'll I'll say this is a tough one. We we all just kind of uh gushed over Kabashi and Stan Hansen, and, but some of the other ones earlier that we went through, like this is a, a tough one because I will say I really enjoyed that tag match with with Gordy and Kawada and Tenryu because it was just something I didn't expect. I went into this going, it's gonna be me picking Kabashi and Stan Hansen because this match is just it's a banger. These two hosses killing each other, but I got it. I got out of this like I watched an Andre match that I didn't know Andre could work that way, and Stan Hansen fought him in '81. 
one, Terry Funk basically died in a match. And then they go on to have like technical, like Japanese wrestling match with some of these guys. It's just crazy. This guy did all this. So I don't know. This is tough. Well, we'll give you time to think. John, what is your best match ever? Stan Hansen. I'm, I'm going with the Hansen Kobashi match that we just reviewed. So that's, that's my choice. But the, the, the tag match with Gordy would probably be my second of the, uh, what was on the menu tonight. I mean, yeah, you could flip a coin for me between yeah. those two. I I think I came out of that tag match the other day with such surprise and enjoyment. Mm-hmm. I just really loved that match. That I'm going to go for that. Tenyu and Kawada versus Hansen and Gordy. It's just such a wonderful tag match. Look, I, I just came on and said that I think Kabashi and Hansen is like one of my favorite matches ever. But now that like now I'm stuck in the middle here because I really like the Terry Funk thing. But when it came to the actual matches, Brayden's going with the eye. <laughs> the Vader match in the Tokyo Dome. Um, I'm I'm going to reiterate kind of what John said. Like that tag team match and what you just picked, the tag team match is incredible. And I'm going to say a hidden gem in the world of wrestling fans, like who are maybe gotten into wrestling late, like us or younger generations. They got to watch that. It's just so good. Just that one shot in the intro made me go. That's this is a banger. <laughs> but I'm going to agree with John, and I'm going to pick Stan Hansen and Kenta Kabashi because it's just a war. This is a rewatchable match, time and time after again, where it's just two of these guys who, who, who are killers to me. Like just believable. The crowd is super hot. It's it's a perfect match. I think it's it's hard to get a perfect match. This is damn near it. I I would say. Uh, now, John, do you want? We've got two pieces of feedback. Do you want to stick around? I know we've kept you very long tonight, so if you if you want to say goodbye now, we won't be offended. But uh, if you want to stick around, that's great. No, in the spirit of uh, Stan Hansen, uh, my conditioning is uh, I'm ready to go. Okay, so, um, uh, let, let's do it. Let's do feedback. <laughs> awesome. Do you want to read the first one? Sure. Then? We go to Jake from the Windy City. Thank you guys for making this your next pick for best match ever, as Stan Hansen matches in all Japan introduced me to a whole new world of wrestling outside of North America when I ran into these on Daily Motion as a kid. I personally prefer the philosophical chemistry between Hansen and Misawa to Misawa versus Kabashi or Kawada, as great as those classics were. My favourite was 1993 Champions Carnival Final from April 21st, 93. Hansen's stiff strikes and menacing look added to a lot of drama of this programme. Boy, was he terrifying. WWE would never allow one of their guys to beat the crap out of half the audience with a rope before making it halfway to the ring. That's why I love Perez. <laughs> yeah, he's terrifying. He looked, there's a famous image when I searched Terry, uh, Stan Hansen in Google Images, and it's him, and that's like these, like, this family and little like Japanese kids and they're like terrified. It's almost like they're like, ah, and he's just standing there with this bull rope. It's just a dude in his underwear, but like, ah, it's terrifying. And the second bit of feedback here from Jesse in the six. Oh, Whoa, is he back? That's a mistake. Stay in Taipei. You should have stayed there, dude. They still had bars open. Bars and gyms. Come on. They had like zero cases or something over there. It's crazy. Uh, He says, looking forward to this. I, truly discovered the lariat a few years ago when John reviewed a WCW show with Jordan Breen in which Hanson spits on a pumpkin he calls Little Lexi. I was hooked. Some thoughts. The Andre Hanson match, probably the best Andre match I've ever seen. When you think of Stan Hanson, you generally don't think of selling, but Hanson sells the bear hug and arm ringer well. The Terry Funk match, the very rude of Hanson to try to murder Terry Funk, in my opinion. (laughs) He says, Brody in the... With Brody and the Funks, man, why didn't Dory just shave his head? Yeah, like I do. I think uh, that could be said about a lot of wrestlers, especially <laughs> from that era. <laughs> or today. Uh, the Gordy 
Tenryu Kawada match got real Yoshihashi vibes from Kawada here. Yoshihashi, but actually good. The Vader match, Jesus Christ, versus Kawada. Never saw this match, but loved it. Hanson had been bigger and less mobile in the 90s, but he bullied these young Japanese talent, and it was a great storytelling. The Masao match, he loved Hanson because of the struggle with him, the pin attempts, the strikes, and the so-called rest holds. It looked like Masawa had to work for every every little thing. It was a battle. The Kobashi match, probably my favorite match on this last and maybe my favorite finish ever. What a lariat. Last, I think he means. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Maybe my on this last. Um, it looks like someone messed with the frame rates. Like somebody literally cut a few frames from a film reel the way Hansen obliterates Kabashi and Kabashi plummets to the mat. Brayden, you're the infamous for overusing the term goat, but now you have a new one because Stan Hansen is the gloat, the greatest lariat of all time. Take care i don't think anyone will disagree what's a better lariat like that that one the one we watch a lot today the one where he kills kabashi off the top is killer but that one in the the one match where he i think it was a tag i think it's the tag match that we were talking about he just kills him man with this lariat i i love jbl's clothesline from hell but nowhere near this lariat no the gloat he is the gloat uh john who's got a better lariat than stan hansen i don't know maybe this will be your next show Best Larry, Larry. <laughs> best Larry, best Larry ever? ever. Yeah, I guess that could be a thing. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end. Thank you for joining us, John. Uh, you, you like, you were fantastic for this. Like, we we knew yeah. you'd be great. Obviously, you'd be great, but you added so much uh, to like the history of Stan Hansen and all these matches. So, so thank you. Um, do you have anything you want to promote? Do you have any yeah. any shows you do? Any little projects? <laughs> Uh, I'm looking at getting into the podcasting game. I'm uh, uh, dipping my toe into don't, it. So. Don't do it. You're pretty you know, good at it. Nah, You're pretty good at it. You know what? Don't do I, it. I, I, will, I will plug one thing. I'm going to give you guys the, the exclusive here is that uh, WH Park will be launching a new series dedicated to this era of all Japan yes. pro wrestling uh, called the Long and Winding Royal Road. And it's going to be premiering on Sunday, June the 7th at postwrestling.com. So you can look forward to that series uh, from WH Park where he is going to be taking a a match and dissecting it with many, many bright minds out there. So you can look forward to that next month at Post Wrestling. We're trying to convince him to do... He once agreed to do a review when the English subtitles came in for My Dad is a Heel Wrestler. Oh, he's he's down. He's down. All right, he's officially down. So you've heard that here as well to cross-promote there. WH Park will join us on a Patreon show to reveal the Tanahashi movie, which I'm so excited for. Uh, So it's... Like I mentioned earlier, like it's cool that we have this like little community with different little side spin-offs. So John, thank you so much for coming in here and like... schooling us absolutely and just thanks for all your support as well you're always uh very kind to us and help us out so much uh we we really wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you so so thank you john i know i'm a real person (laughs) uh i want to thank myself as well uh and you guys for inviting me on and uh, i was happy to be along for the ride here this was a fun show to do uh now you see we've had you and and way and mike mike murray on for some game shows here on the on the patreon but then like you kind of kind of opting to to join us for this show was like oh my god wrestling nerd and exploding everywhere and then I, I, I said to David uh, like a week or two ago, actually, probably when you signed on to this, I said, if John comes on for a best match ever, you know, we got to ask Way. So I asked Way. The same thing oh. I asked John. I said, you know, is there anything you, you, you would w- want to talk about on that show? And he Wei- told you guys to fuck off. Didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said he was upset that we already did a best of Bret Hart without him. So uh, not not 
this is this is down the line, but at some point, somehow, some way, we will be doing a best match ever with Wei Ting, and Wei has personally selected Doink. the <laughs> the SmackDown Six, which okay. is like a whole era of SmackDown at the time, in like the early two thousands, mid two thousands, there of a bunch of different guys in there. So this is this one's going to get real technical with real different different matches and different people. So that's going to come down somewhere in the later in the line, some somewhere sometime. Look Absolutely. But uh, John, thank you for schooling on us and all the listeners here. As I'm sure with all this great wrestling knowledge um, and. Um, I'm going to go get a big blown up picture of Vader's eye. Oh, God, my do room. not do that. <laughs> do not do that. Uh, find us on Twitter at UpNextPodcast. Join our YouTube room every Wednesday night after NXT. YouTube.com forward slash UpNext. Uh, we also do watch-alongs for all the pay-per-views, so come join us for that. Watch us with the watch-along for Double or Nothing, and then after the show, tune into John and Way's post-show on post-wrestling. So all the stuff, all the wrestling... All that stuff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting our Up Next Patreon. Do me a favor. Wash your hands. Take care. Goodbye. And... Yeah! Ahoy! For youth. Ahoy!